Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. <clears throat> we are glad that you could join us today. And that we hope from the bottom of our hearts that you are doing okay. All right, thanks for coming out. See you next time. No, it's and all, all jokes aside, it's really that simple, isn't it? How are you feeling? How are you right now? It's a question that we always get asked and it's questionable just how honest we are in answering it or if we even know because to truly know how we are we need to be in a we need to be in self-observation we need to know ourselves in the moment how are we really and so when people ask us this question or we ask others this question how are you we say, oh, fine, or really good, or great, or whatever. Nine times out of ten, people are just automatically responding to, to the question. But that's not really our concern right now here in this moment for this live stream. Because for all of the talk, for all of this, the uh, discussion, and all of the endless reams of information, about the spiritual path. Have you ever come across a simple description of what it means to be the vast majority of the time? How do you know you're in the right place? How do you know you're on the path when you're not doing anything? You just, you just, you just are. How should you be? What's what's the way to be? Because in our experience, over decades of exploring the path from all sorts of different angles and all sorts of different traditions and even this new age uh, religion, because that's what it is. And like all religions, there are many sects and many versions there are as many versions of the New Age religion as there are versions of Christianity, different, different sects of Christians. In fact, because there's no actual organization around the New Age, you might say there are as many different versions of the New Age as there are followers of the New Age. At the very least, there's as many versions of the New Age as there are so-called New Age gurus. And many of them have a kind of different expression or explanation or description of what it means to be. And how is it that we know we're, we're okay? We're, we're okay. We're, we're, we're on the straight and narrow. We're on our path and we're heading in the right direction. 
a lot of people get sucked into this cult of positivity. And we'll, we'll get into that. And then there's other people who wrapped up in a, in religious traditions or even the Gnostic notion of spirituality as suffering. There are many people who make the path unnecessarily difficult for themselves. They're hard on themselves and they, they believe that a constant state of suffering is what's required. These are, if you will, the two extremes and there's a gradient. These are maybe the two sides of the issue is better expressed, but it's a gradient. People can go from, oh, you want to be always happy and be feeling pretty good and, you know, feeling positive, etc., all the way to, no, you must be in a constant state of orgasmic ecstasy because you'll find those people as well. So there's this huge gradient on the plus side. And then on the other side, there are individuals who feel, no, you should always, you know, go... With a, with a sort of, not a half-glass-empty attitude, just, a, just a, a, a kind of melancholy. And then extend that out to, no, 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 you have to be in a constant state of berating yourself and suffering and paying your karma and, and you know, remembering Christ's sacrifice and suffering, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they can, they can drag this out to the extremes on either side. Before we forget, here is the link. Uh, it's in the chat and we'll put it on, we'll throw it up on screen in just a moment. There it is. For any of you who wish to pop on and join in, in the discussion, because today's topic is very much uh, suitable to everyone's different experience. But when someone asks us, how are we doing? You ask someone, how are, how are they doing? And they say, oh, you know, I'm just okay. That is a gift. To really meditate on just okay to really dive deep and feel into the word itself. It's so nondescript. It's so, I'm just, I'm nothing. I just, I just am. It's just, I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just, you know, I'm just, I just am like, leave me alone. Stop asking me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a, it's a word of indifference. How was the movie? Yeah, it was okay. It didn't suck, but it wasn't great. It just, it just, it kind of just was. Shakespeare said, to be or not to be, that is the question. And the holy name of God 
is aheye asher aheye. I am that I am. It's like someone asking God, what are you? Uh, you, you know, I am what I am. How are you? I, you know, I'm okay. <laughs> okay is this flippant, casual, nonchalant, nondescript, throwaway word that we use every single day without really appreciating what we're saying <laughs> and what the meaning and the power of that word really is, how special it is. You have to feel into it. And you're just sitting there and your mind is blank. Your heart is empty. There's no emotions flowing over you, no sensations flowing over you. You just... You just are like a blank canvas, like a zero point, a point of all possibility, a point of complete and total allowing and acceptance, a lake, a mountain lake with not a breeze blowing on the wind so that lake is perfectly smooth and crystal clear it's like a mirror and in that mirror is reflected the heavens on that blank canvas on that blank slate all possibility is what is welcome it's yeah it's okay I'm I'm okay. I'm ready. I'm 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 here. I'm now. In Buddhism and other traditions, they might use words like calm abiding. They might use words like equanimity, perfect balance, perfect equilibrium. Yeah, those are fine, all good intellectual words, but really, frankly, at the end of the day, when somebody asks you, how are you? You don't say, well, I happen to be in calm abiding at the moment. No, you say, no, you know, I'm okay. I'm just okay. But so often, if you ask people this question, they say that with some disdain, with some sadness. Oh, you know, I'm just okay. I'm just kind of getting by. I'm just kind of am. You know, I just kind of, right? People think okay is, well, it's mundane, it's boring, it's nothing special. So they think because your people are asking you how you are, they're expecting you to say, oh, I'm fantastic, I'm on cloud nine, I feel so good, I'm ready to take on the world, oh, it's, life is great, life is beautiful. You know, and then, so maybe you feel like you're letting them down by saying, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just okay. I'm just okay. Like maybe that's a letdown for them, for the person who's asking you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've, you feel like they're expecting to hear some 
great, fantastic story about what made your day, what, what's making your week, why are you so happy, why are you so joyful. But let's go back to that mountain lake for a moment. Just imagine, put yourself there, use your conscious imagination and take yourself there. You can, if you've ever seen the film Forrest Gump, there's that scene where he's where he's running past. He's 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 narrating to uh, Jenny his his journey on his on his uh, cross country run, and he said that you know there was this this lake, and the water was so still it was like a mirror, and you didn't know where heaven ended and earth began. And so if you you can visualize that you've you've seen photos of that even if you've never seen a lake or a body of water like that in person but use your conscious imagination and put yourself in that situation and gaze out upon that water and the mountains reflected in it and the sky the clouds the sun perfectly reflected in it you're looking at a mirror that's acres and acres and acres in size hundreds of acres maybe and, you, and you're sitting there. Now, if you feel into that, what is that if not the perfect peace? Peace. To be at peace. That's, that's okay with me. No movement, no motion, no sound, no... Well, maybe you can hear birds chirping, flying, whatever. But this equilibrium, this, this grounding, this centering, and in that centering, in that zero point, that blank canvas, that calm lake, completely relaxed, grounded, no motion, no emotion, no stress, no anxiety, no thoughts, no nothing racing through your head, nothing pressing you for, for your attention, right? Nothing pulling you this way or that way or any which way. You're just grounded and centered and balanced in equilibrium. Yes, calm abiding and all those wonderful concepts and words. But that's peace. That's the peace of okay. That's peace. To be in that place is to be closer to God. in terms of everyday moment by moment than anything else's. Now, when you feel into that, you put yourself in that place, there's a kind of objective indifference to everything.
Now, why do we say objective indifference? Because most people, again, most people, when they hear the word indifference, they put it in, they slap a negative connotation on it. Oh, you just don't care about anything or anyone but yourself. Right? That's and 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 empaths will say, no, that's that's not the way to be. I'm an empath. I feel everyone and everything around me. That's that's what it means to be connected with everything and so on and so forth. And we have a video that we made about the spiritual trap of being an empath. And how being an empath just means that you're sensitive to energy. That's all that that means. You're hypersensitive. We know. We're, we're empathic. We're empathic. We're hypersensitive. And we know that. That doesn't say anything whatsoever as to your spirituality necessarily. It just means you're hypersensitive. You get easily triggered. And a lot of empathy, or what feels like empathy, seems like empathy, is actually exploited and used by our egos, mainly our ego of fear, our desire for comfort and security. Because to feel others' pain seems to be an imposition on our comfort and security. So how do you square this? So an indifference, mostly people think of cold-hearted, sociopathic, psychopathic individuals, right? They can't feel any empathy towards anyone. They're incapable of empathy. So they're indifferent to the pain and suffering of others. We clinical psychologists calls, call that a sociopath and or a psychopath. They simply don't care. But that's not, but that's subjective indifference. Because sociopaths and psychopaths, they care, all right, they care a lot about themselves. About, yes, their comfort and security. About what they want. Indulging their desires. And on and on and on and on it goes. Me, 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 I, 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 I. And indifference to everyone and everything else that doesn't fall into the wheelhouse of what I want or what I don't want, right? And if it doesn't fall into the wheelhouse of ego, if the ego doesn't care about it, if I don't care about it, then I'm indifferent to it. I could care, I could care less. So most people, that's the connotation that indifference carries with it. But that's subjective indifference. Objective indifference is the healthy kind of indifference. Buddhists call it non-attachment. And unidentified, meaning to not identify. Objective indifference creates that healthy buffer, that gap, that distance between our selves and the object of our observation, including ourselves, right? Including when we're observing our mind and our heart and our body, we're observing our egos, we're observing our defects and vices, we're observing the sensations in our body, 
We're observing our emotions and our thoughts. Objective indifference to what we are observing in ourselves creates that healthy separation, non-identification and non-attachment to that which is impermanent, to that which is fleeting. It comes and goes. It's here one moment, gone the next. So by caring too much in the moment about anything, including an emotion, positive or negative, attaching to that emotion, identifying with it, attaching, forming an attachment to it. This is a form of suffering because we are, we are putting ourselves on the pendulum. What goes up must come down and the higher they rise, the farther they fall. Indifference has nothing to do whatsoever with non-experience. So indifference does not mean avoidance. Indifference does not mean suppression or repression. It simply means not having the identification and not forming the attachments to what we're experiencing. This is important. And this becomes very profound. I mean, it's important enough for us on the path as we're seeking to awaken and self-realize as our innermost being. And recognizing that this body is a 3D spacesuit. So our being can be here in 3D space, experiencing the MMORPG called life. But this personality that we have, this mind, this heart, this body, these sensations, these emotions, these thoughts, they're all part of our character, of our persona. That's, that's part of this, this tune in the, in the video game called life, in the MMORPG called life. You have to have a character in order to, or in order to play the game. But as a player... If you become too attached to that character and what that character is going through and what that character is experiencing in any given moment, you begin to lose yourself in the character, in the character's thoughts, in the character's emotions, in the character's sensations, in the character's desires, what the character's cravings, the character's aversions. And how do you lose yourself? In, the, in those things because of attachment, because of identification. Ooh, I like that. Ah, I don't like that. I want more of that. No, no, I don't, I don't want any of that. 
I, 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 I. But these are all egos that are infecting the character. Malware that's infecting the video game that has infected your character file. And these malevolent AIs, this malevolent malware, are running their program, are running their algorithms. And you're identifying and becoming attached to the inputs and outputs and how those malevolent AI algorithms are processing the experience. You become subjected to all of that, to the emotions, the sensations, the thoughts, the beliefs, the judgments about your experience. Instead of remaining an objective observer of all of that. And the objective observer is okay. It's just okay. It's okay with all of that. It's okay with whatever the character has to go through. It's okay with the, what the character is experiencing. The objective observer allows themselves to experience it, but just doesn't get caught up in it. And it's this place of okay, of, of equanimity, of complete, total balance and indifference, objective indifference. That means not being attached or identified with anything that's going on inside of us related to our eyes, our egos. And that's peace. That's true peace. To be okay. To be in that space. To be in that place. Because that's the eye of the storm. And whatever's swirling around us, and what can be swirling around us could be really great. It could be ecstasy. It could be shamadi in meditation. Try this one on for size. In meditation, surely in meditation, your goal is to get deeper and deeper and deeper into the point of peace, into the zero point, deeper and deeper into yourself, into the atom noose of the innermost being and beyond. Now, what happens if you experience a shamadi? It could be very powerful. It can be mind, a mind-blowing, mind-altering experience. It could be a religious experience, a life-altering experience. Yeah, very powerful. Ecstasy. Forget about feeling great or feeling good or feeling great or feeling, you know, this is ecstasy. But you don't want to get attached to it. You don't want to identify with it. Because if you identify with it and become attached to it, then the next time you sit down to meditate, that's, it's going to be top of mind. It's all you're going to want. It's all you're going to want is to get to that place again and have another shamadi and to feel that way again and experience that way again. That's a desire. 
And if you enter into meditation with a desire, you cannot get anything out of the meditation. The more you desire shamadi, the more you will never have one. This is the trap of psychedelics. Right? Because psychedelics are only too happy to give you a mind-bending, mind-blowing, life-altering experience. But if you identify with it, if you get attached to it, then, then you're going to get caught on the downward spiral of, of substance use and substance abuse. And remember, substance abuse is not so much you abusing the substances as you are being abused by the substances. Substance abuse is a double entendre, is a double meaning, double-edged sword. Goes both ways. Substance use, same thing. Are you using the substance or is the substance using you? And uh, everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people have been talking about the uh, Netflix series graham hancock's series on netflix that just went live called uh, ancient apocalypse it's an eight-part series it's talking about ancient lost civilizations and we watched the um the joe rogan podcast with graham hancock and um oh, the other fellow's name that uh, the other fellow's name that escapes us, but there were Graham Hancock did the uh, the uh, the program in conjunction with this other fellow, and uh, if we uh, find the uh, no. Anyway, we watched it on um, Spotify. We don't know how to go get to our uh, history on Spotify. In any case, they were talking about the uh, the the what the the Lesser Dryad period or whatever it's called, where supposedly a meteor shower came and over a period of a thousand years and destroyed the, the the polar ice caps and caused tremendous flooding and that's what destroyed the the lost civilizations and created all these uh, geologic forms in North America, et cetera, et cetera. And they talk about this was what destroyed Atlantis, and they're talking about it that this this was a meteor shower, meteor cascade. Now the meteor shower or the meteor impacts might have might have played a role, but the objective truth is that Atlantis sits at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean because the Atlantic Ocean. Oh yes, thank you, thank you. It's uh, Randall Carlson, Randall Carlson, and uh, Graham Hancock. Thank you. So we're told so terrible with names. We can't remember names. For the life of us, we can't remember names. And um, so in Joe Rogan's podcast, Graham Hancock went on for about an hour about psychedelics because, you know, Joe Rogan takes them as well. He's a big fan of psychedelics as well. And Graham Hancock, we read his book, The Fingerprints of the Gods, back in uh, 19... 1995 when it came out or something mid 90s anyway we were in university when we read it and we still have a copy we still have the copy somewhere on, on our bookshelf 
so uh that was what like 30 years ago roughly give or take 25 30 years ago for 20 and plus we have to add in the time that he spent researching that book it was a very well researched book so it's 30 years graham hancock has dedicated his life to this purpose of convincing the world that there was a lost civilization that was that that predated our own and the, and that was destroyed and for a good chunk of time in those last 30 years graham hancock has taken psychedelics on a regular basis to so-called expand his consciousness so let's put two and two together he's been researching the lost civilization of atlantis he's been building a case for it and he's been taking psychedelics to quote expand his consciousness but the cause of the destruction of atlantis keeps changing in his mind as quote new evidence emerges which basically means as he talks to other people like Randall Carlson and others. And as mainstream science begins to agree on a certain cataclysmic event that happened at a certain time period that coincides with Plato, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've been to the, the lost library of Atlantis. It's deep in the Himalayan mountains. We've shared this experience with you before. We projected into the astral plane and you can go there and we were there walking the halls and there were tibetan monks passing us in the halls and we were looking at the atomic lamps that are still burning if psychedelics can actually expand your consciousness why has graham hancock not been able to visit the lost library of atlantis why is he not even aware of its existence? Why does Graham Hancock not know where Atlantis is presently at the bottom of the Atlantic? He's dedicated and devoted his life. This is his life's work, his life's mission. And he's been taking psychedelics to expand his consciousness. So why doesn't he know? This is a hard reality. This is a hard fact that's glaring in the face. And it's, it speaks directly to identification and attachment. If you develop an identification or an attachment to something as Graham Hancock has and as Joe Rogan has, psychedelics, these are the same types of the, the reactions they have if if we were to tell them about the downsides or the negatives of psychedelics or the, the actual objective facts around psychedelics we would get reactions from them just as we do on facebook when we post about this and the vehement uh uh, uh angry defensive and and 
spiteful reactions that people have. It's like, don't you dare take my precious psychedelics away from me. Don't you dare ruin psychedelics for me. Well, these people are not okay. Anyone who, you know, they require something to get them into a place. Maybe it's just marijuana. Maybe it's just a few, maybe it's just a drink to relax them, right? Some alcohol to relax after a long, hard, stressful day. And you tell them, well, you can never have alcohol the rest of your life. And then watch their reaction to that. These people are not okay. And the same goes for those people because there are many different types of substances. And not all substances are material. At the end of the day, matter is an illusion, right? It's not any physical substance that's causing mind-altering states of awareness or consciousness. It's energy, it's vibration that's present within the substance and the elemental of the substance. So there's, there's much more to explore here than just substance and substance addiction, identification and, and attachment to substances and how they make us feel. Hello. Hello how are you? Well, it's all right. Ah, there, good, good. <laughs> yeah. Very happy for you. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. All right is another, all right is another uh, good. Yeah, I usually say there. all right. <laughs> all right. Now, all right. <laughs> all middle, all left. All, all, all right is uh, all right is uh, uh, has even more esoteric significance because all right means all right, the god of the right hand path. Yeah. Right. That's the the White Lodge, the the the, the Brotherhood. Which I'm all right. That's that's and I'm I'm all, and I'm yeah. right. <laughs> Yeah, being present and all that. So, all right is good. All right mm -hmm. is good. And see, all right is not, you know, I'm ecstatic. I'm great. I'm fantastic. I'm this. I'm that. Right? It's it's just, yeah. I'm okay. I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. So, all right is good, too. Mm -hmm. uh, what we were saying about substances. People can get addicted to emotions, to feelings, to a state of being. And this is where the cult of positivity comes in. You you know the type. Yeah. You know the type that 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 we're we're speaking about here. And you know how this became this was very much something that um, was introduced by um uh, what's his name? Uh, 
He wrote your Aronia zones. Oh, anyway, his name will come to me maybe. Uh, but, the, but anyway, the, the new age gurus and the self-help gurus that started to emerge in the, uh, the 70s and the 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s, I guess. Yeah. Um, Oh, I can't think of his name. Um, in any case, while the <laughs> Hermes says uh, Timothy Leary, um, uh, you know, among others, I'm, I'm thinking about the uh, I'm thinking about the uh, the the fellow who he also wrote uh, the Power of Intention, and um, yeah. Uh, well, I know the type of books and all that. that yeah, and then create. there's Deepak Chopra and um, this this idea that and and but it really came like it was the it was the uh, the the Tony Robbins and the um, these types of self help people yeah that are really who are teaching a there it is. Thank you, Benjamin. It's Wayne Dyer. <laughs> Wayne Dyer wrote your Aronia zones. And uh, he started getting into this whole, um, the power of positivity and, and so on and so forth. Now, in all fairness, Wayne Dyer, who was a uh, psychologist, um, when he wrote your erroneous zones. He he didn't come out pushing this positivity thing. What he came out and was speaking out against negative thinking and negativity. Yeah. Because he saw so much of it in his in his practice. And he realized that. A lot of this was this cell was feeding on itself like a Ouroboros. Uh, it was a self-feeding monster in this downward spiral where uh, he, he said he once asked someone um, who's been who was ill, had a cold or a flu or whatever, and he said, Oh, how long have you uh, how long have you uh, felt sick? And the person responded, In in another week, it'll be a month. <laughs> and and Wayne Dyer, you know, he's in his in his usual way, he's like holding his head like, what kind of thinking is that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, so so basically you're saying you're expecting to be sick for another, another week. week. Yeah. So you can tell people that you've been sick for a month. <laughs> <laughs> so he really came out against all of that. And he was his work began as a kind of counterbalance or a reaction to all of this negativity. And, and in all fairness, in the 70s, the 1970s was a very bleak decade. Uh, we were born in the 70s and there was the oil crisis and there was a recession. And, uh, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter was the president of the United States. And the United States was still reeling after the Watergate scandal, uh, uh, the Watergate scandal and the uh, resignation of Nixon. Yeah. And it was just a dark, uh, just look at the movies that were being made at this time in the 1970s. Yeah, they were quite sick. They, 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 were, they were bleak is what they, yeah. they were bleak and they were dark. And so 
a lot of people fell into this kind of milieu of the decade and were really yeah. down in the dumps. And, um, and so Wayne Dyer rose to prominence speaking out against all of this and saying, look, bad things happen, but you don't have to, you don't have to go through life that way. Right. You, you know, you, 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 he would say, you know, just shake it off. Yeah. Like, like, you know, like a, like a, like a dog shakes off fleas or, or, or whatever. Yeah. Right. Or, or shakes off mud. You know, it's just, uh, don't let it stick to you. Don't let it get inside your head. So that was, but this over iterations and iterations and iterations and iterations. And this was, um, in the 1980s, which was the birth of the self-help movement, you know, under Reagan, Reaganomics, the, the 1980s became a very uh, positive decade, hopeful yeah. decade. Many, many people became multimillionaires in real estate, on Wall Street, <clears throat> you know, the rise of entrepreneurs. And then of course the rise of the tech sector, you know, cases like uh, Steve jobs and Apple and Bill Gates and Microsoft and like these nobodies, so-called nobodies, they weren't nobodies, but anyway, that's another story. But they rose to prominence and this whole catching this whole wave. Now, of course, what this wave was, was the pendulum swinging back from the bleak seventies <laughs> yeah. into the positive eighties and the Reaganomics, right? And so this whole cottage industry called the self-help movement was born on the back of that wave. And the new age movement, the spiritual aspect got caught up in it. And so the power of positive thinking became this mantra. And later on, this would eventually get morphed into what became uh known as the secret yeah i'm sure you're aware of that yeah i know that but... was this with the secret was that in the um in the 90s or was that in the 2000s when it actually when they I when think they... it was in the 2000s or something i remember my sister buying that book <laughs> yeah and and i was reading it and like no <laughs> <laughs> Now, the thing about uh, positivity and, and <clears throat> the power of positive thinking, this became a thing, of course, also in uh, athletics, you know, visualization, positive visualization and, you know, telling the high jumper, you gotta, you've got to see yourself clearing the bar. And before you, you, so you, you see all these yeah. athletes closing their eyes and like, like meditating and visualizing, you know, right before the starting pistol, they're all, they're all competing against who has the best black magic. Yeah. They basically do. Right. Um, yeah, so Hermes, Hermes uh, Teresa says two thousands on the and he and uh, Jason says, is it the power of positive thinking or the power of belief? Okay, so we can get into this. We can unpack this a little bit, and um, and but Lux adds the secret: how to manifest the desires 
of the self-willed. You see, these two comments are linked together. Uh, yeah. is, it, is it thinking or is it belief? And, and then it's the, the desires and, and the will, right? The will to get what you want. So the question here is, is there any difference between positive thinking and the power of belief? Now, we all, are, all should be familiar with the um, placebo effect, right? And in most clinical trials... For most medications, so-called medications, uh, um, uh, legally legally sold poisons called drugs, um, in the clinical trials where they have a placebo group, the drug usually only has a fractional or marginal better performance than placebo in those trials. That's the power of belief. Somebody hands you a sugar pill, but tells you you're going to have a, you know, you're going to have a fantastic sexual relations with your wife for the next four hours, and you believe it. And the power of that belief, right? It's it, because the mind-body connection is one. Because yeah. we don't just have the mind is not just in the brain. We have a mental body. Yeah. Right? We have a there's a mind body connection. So of course, if you believe something and you believe very strongly and you put a lot of energy into it or even a marginal amount of energy into it, if you are conditioned to believe things and be a fervent believer. So if you're the type of person that once you believe something, you commit to it mind, yeah. body, soul, you commit to that belief, then th there's energy flowing into that belief. And the mind, or sorry, the body will follow the mind in yeah. the same way that if your mind dies, the body dies. Right? The body, like, it's like in the Matrix, when Morpheus tells Neo, the body cannot live without the mind. If you, if you die in the Matrix, you die in the real world because the body cannot live without the mind. If the mind dies, the body dies. So if the mind, if the mental body believes that it's going to be healed, the body will follow that. Not always. But again, a lot of this depends on how you have conditioned your mind and how much, how much uh, attachment you have to belief. Yeah. Hermes says, even the title of The Secret sounds... Similar to another famous saying, do, do what thou wilt. Yeah, yeah, do thy, um, do what thou wilt. That's uh, Aleister Crowley. That was Aleister Crowley's um, uh, mantra, his, uh, his, his uh, catchphrase or whatever. So this then is the question of where does your will power flow and how does your willpower flow who or what is in control of your willpower if it's in your mind or if you're giving your willpower to your beliefs to your thoughts or you're spending your willpower 
on positive thinking, for instance. So that's all flowing into your character and it's all creating attachments and identifications on that level because you're you're grounded in your eye you're ground you're lost in the character so all of these people manifesting desires they're all performing black magic they're all spending their precious energy their vitality their creative force because willpower has to willpower in practice gets applied if it's applied through the ego for a desire that's associated with the physical body then it's ex- then it's exploiting and using the creative force the sexual energy to do that because the sexual energy can create so you can you can create you can manifest what you want it is possible but you have to ask the question who is the i that is manifesting and why are you manifesting that when we began today's talk on being okay and being all right and being at peace why would you need or want to manifest something if you had peace why would you need to do it you're only manifesting something that's missing and if something is missing then you're not at peace you can't be the two things are incompatible because to be at peace to be okay is to be whole is to be is to be completely content to be all right the way you are the way things are in this moment nothing is missing nothing needs to be added nothing needs to be taken away looks asks isn't positive thinking still a form of hypnosis since the consciousness is still caught up in mental dualism again we wanted to come back to this we got sidetracked on this uh, on on the power of belief but yes positive thinking is a form of hypnosis but we can get away from positive thinking and positive and beliefs altogether because the cult of positivity doesn't have to involve the mind at all it's not just the power of positive thinking it's the cult of positivity to be positive to be happy all the time to feel good all the time do you remember there's this uh, scene from the from the um, the secret where the people write in the sand on the beach the words feel good yeah how this is how you manifest things you have to feel good all the time feel like the thing that you are manifesting has already arrived 
feel it already like it's already in your life you see it's this it's this backwards reverse psychology connection thing yeah and it's like it's like imagine so it's you're not imagining by the way you're fantasizing because you're thinking about some future time okay so the mind is always in the future in the past so you're fantasizing about getting this thing or this person or this experience or this emotion but in order to get that emotion in at some future date you have to fantasize and feed that emotion here and now in the moment to manifest so it's not the thing that's going to produce the emotion it's the emotion that's producing the thing because of course there is no future there is no past everything is only the eternal now so you are in in sending out that emotion that vibration quote into the universe but you're sending it into the metaverse the real metaverse and well I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that um, as we get to the end in order so that so and then you're visualizing and associating your an attachment and identification with that emotion to this outside entity whether it's another person a relationship a job i don't know a car a home what, what a vacation whatever it is that people manifest i mean a yacht a boat i don't know whatever these people manifest but you see it doesn't have to be thinking and so the and this positivity thing is people who are just all the time hmm. cheery 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 yeah nothing can get them down but believe me there's there's stuff that can get them down it's just that they've created this armor of gleeful, joyful, positive, uh, this blanket, this security blanket. Now, the thing is, though, is that the law of pendulum is the law of the pendulum on this level of reality is very, very hard to circumvent, which means um if you've if you've ever tried taking a very light weight let's say five pounds and holding it out in front of you yeah at the beginning it's very easy right it's just five pounds you can hold it out no problem right or two and a half pounds or something you can hold it out no problem or even you can do it with your arm without even having a weight on it and just try holding your arm out there and the longer you hold it out there, the harder it becomes and the heavier it gets. And this positive thinking is like that. And where and what's happening is that on the on the pendulum, the opposite side of the pendulum, the forces that are trying to pull the pendulum back the other way, they're accumulating. And they're accumulating and they're accumulating and they're accumulating because this positive thinking is a form of repression. It's a form of avoidance. I'm going to stay positive and I'm going to avoid all those things that would make me negative, that would, that would make me feel bad. But those things, when you suppress and when you repress something, 
um, some people refer to this as spiritual bypassing. They fester. They build and they, 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 they accumulate. And eventually the dam bursts, right? You, 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 can't hold your, you can't hold your arm out like this forever. Eventually it starts getting shaky. It, starts, it takes all your energy just to hold it another five seconds and you collapse. Yeah. And then when you collapse, that pendulum swings back the other way and some devastating thing comes and, and overwhelms you or some little tiny little thing happens. But for you, it's the end of the world and you lose your mind and you lose your crap and you explode on someone in anger or, or in uh, depression or in sadness or in something. Right. But it's, it's, but it's just, you're making a mountain out of a molehill because you don't know how to deal with molehills anymore because you've been avoiding them. This positive, nobody, nobody can uphold this positive thing all the time and never have to deal with its consequences. There are people like this who end up getting cancer late in life because they've just, because of the little tiny, it's um, trauma. There's two types of trauma. Sudden intense over a very short period or subtle and barely noticeable over a long period of time. Okay, those are the, so the two types of trauma, the analogs to this are torture. The two types of torture. There are two types of torture. Electroshock and Chinese water torture. All torture falls into these two camps. And then there's, and everything in between. So like waterboarding, for example, which is like simulated drowning. But, the, but you, you do this over days and days and days and days and days, like, right? Like, so again, it's you, you, pro, you, uh, you drag it out. Like that's uh, the Bolton character, Ramses Bolton from uh, Game of Thrones. And the torture that he did on, um, on uh, what's his name, on Reek. And he created this, the, the character, uh, the persona Reek by, by breaking his spirit, his will through how he was torturing him. Um, but he was, but this was took place over a prolonged period of time. You can't break someone's spirit by just doing one traumatic event, right? You have to do it over a long period of time. And Chinese water torture is like this, where it's just one drip at a time on the forehead. But after a certain number of hours or days, that single drip, every time it hits your forehead, every single one feels like a jackhammer. Or it feels like a, a, a nail being hammered into your forehead every single drip. And it's the same drip that you started out with. So just imagine someone who's practicing this positive thinking thing. Positive, 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 positive. Never processing these little negative emotions or negative emotions 
those those negative emotions have to go somewhere. Energy has to flow. Positive energy, negative energy. Energy must flow. You cannot stop it from flowing. Avoiding it or whatever, you cannot prevent it from flowing. And our bodies, our physical bodies, there are organs in our physical bodies that have their analogous aspects in the supernal worlds, in the vital body, in the emotional body, and in the mental body. So in the example of, our, of my own dearly departed mother who died of kidney cancer, the kidneys filter urine. That's their job. And kidneys filter energy in the vital body, in the emotional body, and in the mental body. Because we have our vital kidneys and our emotional kidneys and our mental kidneys. And our dearly departed mother, now, she was the opposite of a positive thinker. Because remember, remember the pendulum can swing both ways. So, so it's two sides of the same coin. And this is what Wayne Dyer was on about when he wrote his book, Eurorhonia Zones. Because my mother was a glass half full type of person. She was a worry wart. She was a nervous wreck. And she worried about everyone and everything all the time. So she let that negative energy flow all the time. Yeah. So instead of being a positive thinker, she was a negative thinker all the time. And she would, she would phrase things in a negative way and so on. And, and, and every time like you tried to say something good to her or something positive or something, she would turn it around and, and twist it into something negative. Um, Oh, look, mom, look how sunny it is outside. She goes, yeah, but it's probably going to rain this afternoon. Mm. Like this type of thing, right? Yeah. So um, she developed a massive tumor um, in, her, in her left kidney. And there was a left kidney because, of course, the body is masculine, feminine, positive, negative. And, um, but I don't mean that. It's masculine and feminine, and her negativity was all wrapped up in her feminine energy. Yeah. And so her her uh, left kidney uh, slowly over years and year over a lifetime developed this huge tumor, which then spread to her uh, spinal cord and, and metastasized. It was she 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 learned she had cancer when it was stage four cancer. So, um, because it was just quietly, slowly growing and growing and growing, you know, like, like a pearl in an oyster. And you know how pearls are formed in oysters over years, over decades. That's how, in the case of positive people and negative people who are not they're not catastrophic. They're not going around. It's not the end of the world all the time. And these positive people are not walking around ecstatic. They're just 
forcing that positivity and they're avoiding the opposite. But energy is going to flow. In the case of my mom, she was pushing too much negative energy. The kidneys couldn't filter it. There was a buildup. There was a buildup because that's what happens when you overwhelm a filter. When you try to put too much crap through a filter, the filter is designed to be able to handle a certain amount and then it flushes itself out and it, 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 it remains relatively clean and it can keep filtering. But if you overwhelm a filter, it gets clogged and then a buildup occurs and a backup occurs. And that's, and that's, and that energy has to go somewhere. So the energy gets denser and denser and denser and crystallizes and manifests as a tumor because cancer, all cancer is energetic, energetic disease. On the positive person, it's the same thing. Only the cancer can develop anywhere because that negative energy is just flowing any which way. That person is just avoiding it, pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. It has to go somewhere, but they're not releasing it. So it's yeah. getting recirculated and who knows, you know, where it's going and like, you know, is it, is it, is it stuck in the subconscious mind? Is it going to, is it going to manifest as a brain tumor or what, you know, it could be any number of things. It, it, it depends on, depends on a great many things related to that individual, that individual's uh, psyche and their, uh, and their makeup and their personality, et cetera, and their karma and many, many factors come into play here. Yeah. Um, just want to get to this question really quick. Jason said, similar to the lack of peace being illusory, like a construct of, in the mind. Um, so here, the lack of peace being illusory. The identification and attachment to the circumstances that are so-called causing the lack of peace that's uh the experience is real but it's fleeting it's temporary it's non-permanent the circumstances are illusory right all reality is an, is an illusion so but the experience is not an illusion you can experience not being at peace. So we don't want to, we don't want to fall into the trap of saying that emotions are an illusion. Because that's another form of avoidance. That's the ability to dismiss. That's a kind of nihilistic approach. Because you run into people all the time who think this way, who say, we're all God already. We're all one with God. We're all one with each other. We're one with the universe. The universe is perfect as it is. We don't have to do anything. We can do whatever we want because it's all perfect. It's all God. And this is a nihilistic hedonism. Is what yeah, like is. saying you the universe is indifference. Indifference, I mean. Yeah, but that's again that's a that's subjective indifference. Yeah. That's a that's a whole different kind of indifference. Mm. Because now it's now it's projecting subjective indifference onto the entire universe, yeah, and saying, "Hey, God just wants us to feel good, right? God just wants us to have a good time. God wants to feel good. God would never have created the orgasm if He didn't want us to have orgasms as much and as often as possible. 
That's that thinking. And God would never have created uh, uh, psilocybin mushrooms and marijuana and cocaine and heroin if he didn't want everybody to be strung out on them, which is an absolute ridiculous notion. Right? God also created rattlesnakes and poison ivy. Right? This, do you advise people to go rolling around naked in poison ivy? I don't. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't advise anybody do that. No, because, I mean, <laughs> he also created a, a man's ability to create war and such. Now, like, having said yeah. that, having said that, I think what Jason is, is, is getting at here, that the zero point, in other words, being just okay, being just all right, being in that place of that absolute nothingness, like Eckhart Tolle likes to go on and on about this, about this, this place of equanimity, of this peace, of this non-attachment and non... So he's very... To what degree he actually practices this and really believes it, or is he just, if it's all a show, it's hard to tell with Eckhart Tolle because, remember... Uh, Oprah Winfrey is who made him famous. His book ended up on Oprah's book club and she had him on his show. I don't know how many times it's hard to know for sure where he's coming from. We, we don't spend a lot of time and energy on him, but, but the point here is that if you put yourself in the zero point and just think of that, the access, the X, Y, Z access and being in the center in the zero point, and meditate on that point inside of you and meditate on the absolute, the absolute abstract space, which is the absolute zero point of the entire universe, which is the only thing that's truly real. And that's also the point of being one with absolute peace then what Jason is intimating or extrapolating in his comment is that anything outside of the zero point is an illusion. So anything, anything outside of peace is an illusion because any experience which is not at the zero point, any other experience is not peace. Being on a roller coaster is not being at peace. <laughs> True. Right? And, and, and having a, a, a shouting match with your, uh, with your spouse is not at peace. And, uh, you know, and uh, I don't know, riding down a mountain on your mountain bike is not at peace. Right? But ironically, what we're talking about is being able to be at peace, to be just okay, even if you find yourself in all of those different circumstances, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, you recognize and don't identify and don't attach with them because they are illusory, and you don't identify and attach to your reactions to those circumstances. So excitement, elation, terror, anger, 
envy, frustration, right? Yeah. You identify those as infecting and a, and a part of this, this character of yours. But they're not, they might be illusory, but they're not insignificant. In other words, you're playing the game for a reason. Yeah. So you can be at peace in an observation even while suffering from, from egos, from anger, etc. You can, you, can tr you can maintain that pace, that place of peace even while you're going through the motions of this illusory reality and these illusory experiences. But remember that pantomime, that drama, that MMORPG, that video game, that, that movie, whatever analogy works for you is there precisely for you to know yourself. Because the absolute abstract space is incapable of knowing itself. What is nothing? And how does nothing know nothing? By being at peace. But, but what is that? Yeah, exactly. It's hard to describe. It's, it's, what is it? Impossible, it's, it, basically. It's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah. It's zero. And zero is also everything. But it's nothing. But how do you know yourself as everything if you are nothing? There's only one way. You have to manifest yourself as everything. And then experience that everything as something. Then you can know, even though you're nothing, but you can know your true nature as everything. And you do that by manifesting a universe. And in every atom in that universe, is a spark, is an essence, is a seed of you, of your, your essence, of the Logos, the Cosmic Christ, which is planted in every atom in the entire universe. Even if that whole universe is just an elaborate illusion, an elaborate simulation, it doesn't matter. The simulation has meaning. Just like Azazel and I were had a bit of a, a interchange on, on Facebook uh, related to language. Yeah. Language is arbitrary and illusory on one level. It's semantic and semiotic. It's a bunch of scribblings and scratchings on a paper. But it isn't. Because language has power and meaning, even if people don't understand it. Language is vibration. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Language is the operating system of the universe. And in many ways, it is, the, it, is, it is not the substance of the universe. It is... The fabric, I would say, basically. It's... 
language is what no uh it's the th it, it's the threads yeah and the patterns it is how the threads are woven together which form the fabric of un the universe yeah it's so it's it's more subtle than that so it's and yet you can't have the fabric without the threads and more importantly the strength of the fabric the qualities of the fabric are directly related to the weave and how the threads are woven that you see are all the qualities of language that we were talking about azazel yeah all the different qualities of language so in the same way that you can take the same piece of music remember i mentioned music and how music is a very powerful way to, when we're talking about language because mm -hmm. language stimulates the intellectual center and music cuts past the intellect and goes right to the heart yeah so you know that um you can take a piece of music the exact same notes played the exact same um, um, uh, speed. I, well, I'm not a musician, so I don't know the, the, all the technical terms, but I do know the term uh, fortissimo, which means with, with force, with power. Yeah. And you can play, you can play chopsticks or you can play um, uh, Beethoven's pastoral. Well, I'm, th I'm thinking like a piano concerto. You can play that piano concerto softly, or you can play that piano concerto and really hit those keys and bum, bum, bum. That's fortissimo. Yeah. It's played intensely, played with, with force. So language is the same way, right? You can speak softly and docile, or yeah. you can speak softly and docile. <laughs> the words haven't changed but the words changed yeah right but the words didn't change but the words changed so so there's so many layers and layers and layers and layers and layers here yeah and all of this at the heart of it all is this zero point of okay <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah right it's it's okay yeah okay it's all good it's all right it's all good it's all god yeah all good all god right it's all good but all good is not wow that's fantastic that's amazing right no it's just it's all good there's there's some comments here let, let's let me let me get to some of the comments yeah. before I, I we fall too far behind because then we'll lose the context in which they, yeah. were, made, they were made in my experience the lack of peace is in part due to the subjective belief that peace is an emotion, aha, when in fact is it a state of being, a state of consciousness free of conceptual mind. Perfectly said. Perfectly said. Again, this is um, this comes back to um, uh, what Jason was saying earlier here about a lack of peace being illusory. Well, Lux is is adding another layer 
of of experiential knowledge to that saying yeah but well what about all those people that think that peace is a an active emotion that you actively have to be at peace <laughs> so you have to force peace again this comes to that cult of positivity which force positivity well now they're trying to force being at peace but that as jason points out that's exactly the illusion because anything that is not at the zero point which is real peace is just an illusion and this flows directly into where we're headed with all of this okay stuff but so we'll come back to this in a minute let me get to benjamin's uh, uh quote here from the bible isaiah uh book 45 chapter 7 um i form the light and create darkness i make peace and create evil i the lord do all these things just adding on the example earlier that there are good and bad things in nature uh this is the this is a suggestion like i form the light and i create the darkness so i make peace and i create evil this is a an interesting dichotomy here right because we're talking about being okay and as i said being okay is where you want to be on the spiritual path in the sense that even feeling great and feeling fantastic and being elated and ecstatic and all this kind of stuff according to this verse in the bible all of that's evil because none of that is peace very very telling very interesting because to be or not to be that is the question if you are not being if you're be if you're not being and that zero point, one with the absolute, at pure peace, which is the true point of creation, right? The blank canvas. Have you ever tried painting on a on a canvas that's that's not blank? Actually, it's probably a it's probably a bad example because many many of the many our painters do just that, and the Renaissance masters did just that. They painted over old paintings, but but first they painted it in white, so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so they whitewashed it in other words they, they whitewashed the old painting and they painted over top of it but the key here is that that anything that disturbs your peace uh, there's another way you can look at this um, if you know the um, the science of cymatics or even the uh, the still pond right you drop a, a pebble in it and it's going to cause waves and it's going to cause ripples but eventually they die back down and the pond goes to still water the same with cymatics when you have a, a sheet of metal and you you hit it and it causes the vibrations but then it, it 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 nature always seeks that equilibrium it'll always go back to that still point that still point of rest so in much the same way lots of stuff can happen to us in our life we want to be able to return to that still point of rest because that's true, genuine peace. That's where we can really finally be totally relaxed and totally even go so far as to say unplugged from the matrix. 
And the key is the more that we do this, the more that we practice this, the more that we are able to be in that zero point all the time, even in our waking hours. And why that's so important? Because when you have a still pond, every little disturbance becomes crystal clear. It's obvious. It's easy to spot. Very quickly, Dokia Sophia says, a spark of the logos planted in every atom of each universe. That is a great way to say it. Um, so that atom is the atom noose, by the way. That's our essence. Our innermost being is that. The atom noose is that atom inside of us. But every atom has its own atom noose. It's metaphysical. So every atom has the potential of evolving into a human being. It begins in the mineral kingdom. So it's an atom of some element. Right? It'll start off as some uh, uh, in the mineral kingdom as some element. Or it could be, yeah, yeah. And then one of the elements of the periodic table. And then it'll grow and evolve and it'll become integrated into some kind of uh, molecule. And that over many lifetimes, it'll grow and evolve and it might become integrated into some kind of biological organism. So it, may be an, it might become an amino acid or it might be water in a, you know, um, in a living organism or it might become the carbon that's in a tree. Well, of, well carbon's in most carbon-based life forms. So... And then as it evolves out of the mineral kingdom, when it's spent enough time uh, in the mineral kingdom and has learned what it needs to learn, then it can <clears throat> graduate to the plant kingdom. And then it can be born as a very, 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 very simple plant organism and so on and so forth. So just coming back to this moment of why being okay is so important and so practical for us on the path. And let's come back to this, this pond, this still water. Imagine if the, the water, the surface of your water is being disturbed all the time, right? It's just for whatever reason, it's just being disturbed. It's not still, right? There's always waves in your, uh, in your, in your pond, right? How can you detect anything, any changes that's taking place? And how can you figure out what the hell is causing all the waves in your pond. But if, you're, but if your pond is still, it's perfectly still, now one little water beetle going on the surface of the pond, you can detect it like that. Because the waves, those tiny little waves, created by this tiny little water beetle skidding, skiddling across the surface of the water creates, creates a disturbance that, that is like, you know, that it's like a garbage truck driving, driving past your house. Yeah. Because the relative, it's all a question of relativity, right? So 
when we're observing ourselves and we want to observe our defects and vices, our egos, and how many times have we said, like a broken record, egos are subtle. They are clever. They are masters of disguise and they are masters of stealth. Their modus operandi is, like all parasites, to operate in anonymity. They are anonymous. They want to remain anonymous. They want to remain hidden. Like the cockroaches or the mice in your house. <laughs> yeah. Okay? The mice do not come out and announce themselves to you. They wait until you go to sleep and you turn the lights off. And then the mice get up and they start their day. Yeah. <laughs> right? Egos are the same. So in a very real way, use your visualization, use your power to, to visualize and use your, your conscious imagination to see you put a bowl of water and look at it as a seismic detector, a seismic warning system. Like, if this helps, like in the film Jurassic Park, when the... Uh, when their SUV breaks down in front of the T-Rex uh, paddock and then everybody's sleeping and everybody, you know, and it's raining outside and all of a sudden you hear boom, boom, right? And Jeff Goldblum looks up and, and looks at the, the, there's a glass of water or a bottle of water in the, uh, in the cup holder. And as you hear, you hear boom and the water like ripples right on the surface. And then Jeff Goldblum said, that's, that's an impact. Uh, that's an impact vibration. That's an impact. Uh, uh, well, anyway, so that's a, like a seismic impact type thing. And so, but you need the water to be still in order to be able to register that seismic activity. So to be okay, to be in that still point, of that indifference, of that observing from that still point, you are at peace. So any little thing disturbs your peace, you can zone in on it. You can pinpoint it with your consciousness, razor sharp focus, because you're in that still point, you're in that zero point. You have the best objective viewpoint from which to go through life at the zero point nothing can happen outside of your purview of experience and awareness if you are at the zero point again just simply put yourself use your conscious imagination recognize that if reality is a projection the way to uh, if you've ever been to a planetarium or if you've ever been to an IMAX Omnimax theater where the, the the screen is curved like in the inside of a planetarium and it's a dome right and then the the projector projects the stars up onto the dome and you're inside yeah. the dome 
right? And you see of all of the night sky, right? It's a simulation of the night sky, but it's a projection from within to this circular form. Now, extend that sphere 360 degrees beneath you. Imagine a planetarium, a virtual reality, a quote metaverse, right? That's 360 degrees everywhere you look, right? Everything that you see is a projection out of your own consciousness. So if you get to the zero point of being just okay, nothing can escape you. But if you go way over here, now you're going to have a whole bunch of the simulation is going to be behind you. Because you're you're losing yourself too far, too deep into the simulation over there. So again, using the XYZ coordinates, if you go X plus 1,000, Y plus 5,000, Z plus 2,000, you're going to be at a point somewhere, who knows where. But now, things that are happening in the other quadrants, you're going to be blind to. You're going to be blind to all of that because you're over there somewhere. But if you bring yourself back to the zero point and you're just okay, things can be happening to you in quadrant over here, but now you won't miss what's happening in quadrant over there. The, the great men who, who explored and studied sacred geometry, they, they understood this. They comprehended this. Yeah. And uh, Archimedes and Plato and, and then Fibonacci, who, who mapped out the formula of the golden ratio. But they all understood this, that from the origin, everything sprang from the origin. And all of sacred geometry is born and all of mathematics, and everything is born out of that origin. <clears throat> all vibration, all everything, out of the zero point, out of the great, out of the absolute, of the great nothing. And it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. This is so important. It is. And 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 what's amazing and this is what um yeah here uh we wanted to get back to this Luck saying how people think that peace is an emotion and that it's a subjective belief and etc etc god has a nature the Logos has a nature, but it's, it's, it's not an emotion. It's not a mental state. It's not a, it's, that's why nobody can describe love. Love is not an emotion. Lust is an emotion. Happiness, like elation, ecstatic, what I, oh, I was so happy, that's an emotion. But these are the inferior emotions of the sentimental heart center. 
the nature of the logos of is peace happiness and joy but that's happiness and joy that's not the kind of sentimental happiness like oh i got my favorite chocolate bar <laughs> or you know, you know um it's the joy we we were given a gift, you know, um, when we experience something that was made by the hand of God and is, uh, we very, we're, we're like, a, we will cry tears of joy, like, mm. right? Like that's a, that's a, it's a blessing and a curse in many ways because it to many people like my father <laughs> means I'm just an oversensitive, you know, weakling or whatever, uh, an oversensitive, you know, I'm not a man's man. Men don't cry like that. Uh, but uh, I certainly do. And uh, that's why I posted on the, uh, the trailer for uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. That's coming to Netflix in December, not November, as we said. We we uh, we got confused with something else. And uh, five seconds into the trailer, we just began crying tears of joy. And they didn't. We didn't stop crying until the trailer was over. And then the trailer ended, and we just stopped. The tears stopped. The joy went away. Like. Yeah, it's like that scene in the Lord of the Rings. Uh, where the Divine Mother helps Frodo up uh, out of the mud. And uh, the reason why, if we only focus on that, it will be very hard not to cry. Uh, we actually had this in an experience where uh, when it happened, we were walking along uh, these, like a golden shore, if you will, um together with other buddhist monks and all power just basically left me and i fell down to on on the sand basically and then i i, I could feel it from like behind that <laughs> get up <laughs> and, and i'm like <laughs> lying there all powerless and i'm like what's the point <laughs> and from that point onwards i got to experience the uh, well the more masculine form of uh, care also known as severity and thank god for that because otherwise i would just be left there at the sand i we we basically needed more than just mercy and then this far, uh, father figure basically appeared uh, on the waters and his his gaze was fixed upon the earth if you will 
and and his gaze was fixed upon the chaos that has been created and and that's when we realized that it, it was just too much to take in it's like that's the place where I got the joke oh crap from I mean <laughs> how, how do you even reconcile such things but that actually made me that that gave me power at least to stand up because I realized that there was a huge problem mm. if we're on the subject of um of, uh, well, I mean, we could go on for hours about talking about yeah, yeah. things that, things that uh, uh, cause tears of joy. But another uh, just came to mind was um, uh, Man of Steel. The Christopher Nolan, uh, not Christopher Nolan, um, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Christopher Nolan produced it, but Zack Snyder directed it uh, with uh, Henry Cavell, the first one. And um, when I first watched that movie in the theater, when I finally got to the credits, the credits started to roll. I started bawling my eyes out uncontrollably. Yeah. And I cried nonstop until the entire, I had to sit there in the theater until the entire credits were finished. And I was still sobbing as I was leaving the theater. Yeah. Because that film was filled with so much esoteric symbolism because, I mean, we're talking about Superman, yeah, Ubermensch. We're talking about the awakened, the self-realized being. And, 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 and even though many so-called uh, Superman fans hate that movie, because of how dark it was and how Superman is not Superman and blah, 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 and this and that. Because they, they wanted they wanted uh, Christopher Reeve's Superman. They wanted the Superman from the 70s, the all-American hero, right? And, and what they got was a dark, brutal, honest depiction of the work that is required to truly become Superman. Yeah. And that is we have to face our egos, the three in our three brains, the three mountains, which are the three villains, Zod, Ursula and uh, Gore, I think, was the, uh, the other one. Anyway, we. Um, and it was it was such a. That's another thing that people are really mad about, because that Superman doesn't kill anybody. And at the end, Superman break, snaps Zod's neck, you know? And uh, But that's exactly what Superman has to do. That's yeah. exactly what we have to do. We have to decapitate our egos. We have to break their necks. We have to, that's, this is, this is, there's no pussyfooting around this. Right? It's like when you play chess, you have to take pieces on the board. Yeah. Your opponent is not your enemy. But on the board, you have to be merciless. Yeah. You have to take their pieces. Otherwise, they're going to take yours. 
and you're going to lose. That's what a game is. And a virtual, in a virtual reality, we're here playing this game. The game has meaning and purpose. Yeah. It's all okay. But the board, it might, might be illusory. It might just be a game, but, but the pieces matter. The position on the board matter. Winning or losing matters. It has to be played out. It has to be played out. And um, so this, uh, and we have to be okay with that. Yeah. So many people on the spiritual path are not. They cannot, they cannot reconcile suffering. They cannot reconcile the transformation of energy and the transformation of life. The fact that organisms eat other organisms. Animals eat other animals and people eat animals. This is a natural part of life. It's called the transformation of energy. And people cannot reconcile this. There are the, these, the, uh, the, the vegans and the vegetarians, the, the, but the, the militant ones, the ones that, that take a lifestyle and turn a lifestyle into a religion, into a religious dogma, and they become fanatical about it. Not, not only are they fanatical about it, but they're evangelical. <clears throat> they galaxies die stars die planets die with untold trillions of organisms living on them we're in the kali yuga do you know how many beings and animals and stuff are going to die at the end of the kali yuga do you know how many mass extinctions there were on this planet irrespective of human intervention Irrespective of, of, of human activity, nature decides, ah, you know what? It's time for a change. Let's wipe out 90% of the species on the planet. Right? Yeah. But but it's all good. Yeah, it's, it's all okay. God. Yeah. But you see, there's there's a fundamental problem if someone can't be okay with all of that. Now, does that mean that everybody has to eat meat? No, you don't have to eat meat. For some people, it just they just can't do it. They just can't take a life or they can't stomach the idea that they're eating a, you know, for whatever reason. And that's fine. But to not be able to be okay with it, to not be able to be okay that other people partake partake of it this means you're not okay you're not okay and if you're not okay you're not balanced and centered and grounded you're not at peace and if you're not at peace you cannot experience genuine happiness and joy the type of happiness and joy that the type of joy that we describe, the things that, that bring tears of joy. Now, happiness, genuine happiness, is again something different. Peace is peace. I think we all know what peace is. 
right? We were describing it earlier, that okayness, that, and Jason adds the acceptance. Yes, acceptance, allowing, exactly, right? In the same way that we, we, have, we accept, you know, 99.9% of this humanity are fornicators and they're asleep and they do what they do and they do how they do it. And we have to accept that. Everybody has free will. We have to accept that. And Benjamin adds, it is what it is, which by the way, we have said many times is a very useful mantra to help us get into that zero point, into that place where we're okay with something and just into just observe it objectively and not get caught up in it, identified or attached to it. And that's, it is what it is because I am that I am is the holy name of God. And by saying it is what it is, you're saying it's all good. It's all God. It is what it is. I am that I am. That's the holy name of God. So if it is what it is, then that's the holy living word of God. The living, breathing word of God. There it is. It is what it is. And it's the living, breathing word of God that's all around us. And we use that, that expression constantly like a broken record. Why? Because it's the truth. The objective truth. The living, breathing, breathing word of God. <laughs> and Lux has to has to embellish this and says, it is what it is, and it's not what it's not. Um, it actually is what it's not. But anyway, but that's beside the point. We don't let's let's not get too existential here. Um, but yeah, I am that I am. And it is what it is. One day we're going to find the proper uh, Hebrew, ancient Hebrew translation for it is what it is. And we'll add that to our, um, to our uh, vernacular here. Benjamin says, it is said in the scriptures that he who is, is ineffable. Well, there you go. Well, well said. Because that's a word that um, uh, Master Samael uses all the time in his writings that which is ineffable and um and that source that love it is able to deliver us or put us into a place of such joy and we can experience this, by the way, in nature in many, many different ways and forms. But then there's also happiness. True happiness. And again, this is something which emerges spontaneously from within. You cannot attain happiness and you cannot force this kind of happiness. It begins by getting into the place of equilibrium and equanimity and peace within ourselves. You have to start out being just okay. And 
when you're in that place of just okay, that the genuine happiness of being present and aware and awake to oneself in and through peace. There's a happiness that emerges from that and can radiate out from us. And this is not the happiness, obviously, of the sentimental happiness, the fleeting kind that comes and goes, although this happiness can also retreat as we get disturbed and our peace is disturbed, right? Because if our peace is disturbed, the happiness which is coming through, because this happiness, remember the, uh, the mountain lake? It's like a mirror. And it's reflecting heaven. So it's a peaceful mirror, and that peaceful mirror can reflect the happiness that's in heaven. It can be reflected on that calm lake, that relaxed and calm consciousness inside of us. But when that lake is disturbed, the surface is disturbed, and the image, the reflection of the happiness of heaven gets vanishes. So one way that we experience this in meditation um, is we visualize ourselves, our, ourselves meaning Atlas, because we met Atlas in the uh, supernal worlds. And Atlas always appeared to us with this big, broad smile. But you can also visualize, if you haven't met your innermost or your divine mother, um, you can visualize the Buddha. Or you can visualize the Mona Lisa or Isis. Generally speaking, most depictions of Isis and most of the hieroglyphs uh, show people smiling with a, with a coy smile, like Buddha's smile, right? Yeah, there's the laughing Buddha, but that's a different, you know, the, 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 the just the subtle smile, the Mona Lisa's smile, right? Where it's this ever so subtle smile but it's a smile but it's not a hey you like it's not a, it's not an emoji smile it's a, it's something more subtle than that and if you go into meditation and you meditate you visualize the mona lisa or the buddha or jesus and not Jesus on the cross. <laughs> you're not gonna. You're not gonna access happiness that way. 
<laughs> you visualize you vi you visualize the risen Jesus, yeah. right? Visualize a Salvador Mundi, right? You visualize visualize Jesus with a with a with a Mona Lisa smile. And and just feel in and and you can merge with with them and pray to your innermost being your divine mother and that whatever image you're visualizing let that be a representation of your innermost essence your innermost intimate christ your innermost divine mother and get close see them coming closer to you closer to you closer to you as you move closer and closer and closer to them and merge become one with them see and feel it but stay relaxed completely relaxed and calm let all of this happen in your conscious imagination and become one with them and feel and see and sense and without any voluntary action on your part a smile a broad smile will come across your face in accordance with whatever smile was on the deity that you were meditating on and in fact you might find that the smile it 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 gets so broad <laughs> and and it's like stretching your face and you'll be like don't don't get alarmed don't don't let it jolt you out of the meditation don't let it surprise you but we're telling you this so that you're not surprised don't be surprised if your smile stretches or feels like it's being stretched like the joker or like mm -hmm. or it's like being stretched ear to ear or like your your head's like must be this wide because you feel mm -hmm. like your smile is this wide now like a round buddha head because what you are experiencing is this you've merged one with your being and the happiness of your being the perma smile that is on the face of your being is now manifesting on your in in, in physical flesh and form and you will find that your 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 face is not used to smiling like that all the time. It's like, it's, it'll be like, you know, it's like, like, I don't know, like lifting weights. Like you haven't lifted weights in that long. It's like, it's like anything. It's like you haven't stretched, you know, if you don't stretch every day, you know, your, your, your ligaments and, and your muscles and everything, they get tight. It's the same thing in your face and guaranteed your being smile is, is broader and wider and th than anything that you've ever than you've ever been able to to maintain for any period of time yeah and this will come with part and parcel this will come with happiness this is this will be real happiness and you'll be able to feel genuine happiness and you'll be able to feel the difference. And, 
and it's unfortunate that um, many people have <laughs> what comes to mind is that expression resting bitch face <laughs> yeah you know what we mean when we say that resting bitch face um yeah and even it's unfortunate also <laughs> that there are some there are some uh, uh photos of master samael where he's got he's got this scowl on his yeah, face yeah very stern and uh and yeah there's <laughs> and it's um and if we <clears throat> if we find ourselves going through life and and looking at negative things and bad things all the time and we're always lamenting it or always you know we're always you know we're then we get we we, we get leonardo dicaprio forehead and we, <laughs> and we get resting bitch face you know how leonardo dicaprio he really only has one emotion which is yeah um, <laughs> he's he's i it's very it really bugs it really bugs me now to watch his movies like because being you know as a former actor i i pick up on all of these little nuances and details and it really bugs me that everything that he does where he's happy or inquisitive or whatever he's always doing this yeah he used to be a really good actor anyway when he, in his younger days um well it is possible for the father to be quite stern as well but that is not the entire goal of being but the happiness of the being when it's it comes across you in that way and when it mm. comes across your face in that way um if you have that experience once and as you're practicing because remember being okay and being in that zero point this assumes that now you're in the position of ideal self-observation well then but then you have to observe yourself Okay, but just being in the zero point is not enough, right? It's you have to actually observe, you have to observe, be mindful. But then the second part of that is self-remembering. But once you have an experience of feeling the happiness of your innermost being, of your true self, and, and, and having that happiness take you over, and 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 express itself manifest itself through your physical body once you have that experience and once you have that visualization of if you ever meet your innermost being or your divine mother and you see their smile for yourself and you combine that with this experience of being one with them and having that smile stretch across your face and, and the happiness well up in your heart now as you go through life being just okay being in the zero point of self-observation you add the second part of self-remembering you remember your innermost being you remember your divine mother you remember you you remember how they are and they are in this state of happiness and if you can get to that place of okay and you practice self-remembering and you remember your divine mother innermost being based on your self-evident experiential knowledge 
and your experience of having that happiness in you in meditation, you can bring that happiness and that happiness can come to you. But you have to be okay and you have to be remembering yourself. You have to remember to do it. You have to remember to allow. You have to remember to be one, to feel yourself inside of your body. Right? As you feel yourself inside of your body and you remember that 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 self that's inside of your body is is not your personality. It's not your I. It's your innermost being. So you remember the feeling of being merged with them and one with them in meditation. And you feel that as you feel yourself in your body and and just naturally and spontaneously like 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 right now right now yeah i'm i'm talking about it and i'm actually remembering and doing it as i'm talking about it and now this smile just cuz this comes to my face it's like that's 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 not me doing that okay back to back, back to resting bitch face <laughs> grumpy cat right <laughs> yeah, no, no face. <laughs> Grumpy cat. That's a that's a meme for. Okay, yeah. so 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 you see, there's an irony here. There's an irony here, and it comes back to the Chinese finger puzzle analogy that we've used many many times, right? This cult of positivity and and trying to like raise your vibration and forcibly get yourself and raise your vibration and all this kind of stuff, using your willpower to do all this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. No. You've got to get to the zero point and you've got to feel yourself one with your innermost being and beyond that, the being of your being. Right? Alux, all light, God light, the being of beings, your being's being. Because that's the next level of this meditation. After this smile comes on your face and you're one with your being, you go, okay, great, cool. Now, together, let's turn and visualize the Christ, the being of beings. And you can choose whatever image of Christ you want. You can Moses, Krishna, Quetzalcoatl, Jesus. You can't visualize Muhammad, but but <laughs> Mithras, Woden, Fuji. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You can you can visualize a flaming uh, a phoenix, a flaming sun. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you visualize. But you and your being turn to the Christ together as one with that smile on your face, but not that you're making that smile. The being is smiling for you and then you feel it on your face and you turn to the Christ in meditation and you pray, Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. Not my father, our father. You and your innermost being together, praying together as one. A multiplicity, but united. A united multiplicity. And you pray, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, etc., etc., etc. The Pater Noster, we have done a live stream on it. There's... 
lectures on Glorian about the Our Father. And you do the same activity, the same process of merging slowly. And you bring that self-remembering into your self-observation and your meditation practice or your self-remembering practice. Self-observation, self-remembering. You're okay. You get to the zero point. It's all good. I'm all right. Because when I'm there, I'm closest to my being. And if I can remember him and feel him inside of me and be one, and then now, and then together we can, we can see the living, breathing Word of God all around us. It is what it is, and it's speaking to us. It's our Divine Mother leaving, leaving breadcrumbs for us all over the place. Now what's more, you remember that the, be- our, the being of beings, the innermost of our innermosts, and the levels and levels, and, and that, what that is, That is what we bring to our meditations and our visualizations. If, for example, we want to visualize healing the planet. Don't try raising your vibration and sending your healing energy to the planet. You're nothing. You're a a drop in the ocean. You can't heal anything. You can't. It's a hard truth. But the Christ? Nah, okay, all right, that's a different story. Let the higher vibrations come through you and flow through you. Let make of yourself and your innermost being a magnifying glass. And the the, the Christ, the, the being of beings inside of you or behind you, shining that light and through this magnifying glass, you and you concentrate and you visualize and you intensify the light of Christ. And have it come through your heart, into your heart and through your heart, a beam of golden blue light bathing the whole of the planet. And then pray for healing and awakening and help and guidance and whatever you want to do. But remember, it's not you it's you you can't you you know you can't do it you can serve as this magnifying glass you can gather you can intensify you can direct and have it flow through you and all the while you see it can't be you because you don't want to become attached and identified with it 
You're just okay. Because it's st you're still in the zero point. Because the zero point, if you're one with the zero point, you're one with the zero point of all zero points. In the absolute. And again, this is, it's, it's hard for the mind, the rational mind, to work itself around all this. But for the consciousness, it's, it's all self-evident. Is that the universe doesn't exist. It's all a construct, an illusion inside the absolute itself. Light doesn't go anywhere. What consciousness does is it stretches out the perturbations in the absolute, the interactions the energetic interactions in the absolute. And it stretches that out into this multi-dimensional virtual reality and existence. And yeah, it's all good. And it's okay. And when you consider that the vast majority of these pe of people on this planet suffer from chronic stress, anxiety, depression, and afflictions and worries and of all kinds, and that they're desperately seeking some kind of reprieve, some kind of uh, vacation from all of that, so they're constantly chasing whatever thing or activity or, or substance, right? And remember, substance doesn't have to be a, a physical substance. It can be an idea. It can be just socializing, be going out with the girls or, or, or you know, or, or going to a rock concert or going to a whatever, right? And they're just, they're hungry. They're desperate for a few moments or a few hours of elation, so they can swing the pendulum onto this side for a while, knowing full well that after the effects of whatever they've experienced that they sought out, are gonna, they wear off, the pendulum's going to swing back the other way, and they're going to be right back in the dumps, in their anxiety, in their depression, right? So they're seeking escapism. But in the seeking, the escaping of the negative, in seeking avoidance and escaping that, they turn to more hypnosis. They turn to more attachment and identification. They turn to, then let's feel good, feel good. Feel, I feel bad all the time. I want to feel good. And that, that's how they seek to balance. And that's okay if they do that. That's fine. If that's how they want to live their life, that you know. But that's not going to get them out of suffering. It's not going to. It's not going to get them to, to see and comprehend the causes of their suffering, and it's not going to get them off the pendulum. It's not. There's only one way to get off the pendulum. There's only one way. You can't stop the pendulum. 
It's not by trying to hold the pendulum on one side. We talked about this, right? You can't, that's not the way off the pendulum. The only way off the pendulum is to go up the thread. To the inflection point. The zero point. Where the, where the thread and the weight hang from. At the zero point, the thread doesn't move. The weight can be going back and forth, good and bad, 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 but you're here at the point of observation. And you're just okay. Good good and bad, good and bad, they come and go like the weather. They come and go like the mailman. And you you just watch it all go past, and you're okay with it all, and if you remember yourself... And you feel into yourself, and you feel yourself in yourself, and the being of beings, you know yourself, and you have these experiences of meeting with yourself, and meeting with the Christ, and knowing its nature, then its nature that can come through your higher self, and then it ex- that naturally expresses itself on you. You begin to radiate that peace, happiness, and joy, you begin to radiate it to others. And you are making efforts, but you're using your willpower and your effort and your energy to be okay. To be in that still point and to remember yourself. To not forget And then when you do that, remember what we said? Energy must flow. Light will shine. If you make the effort to open the shutters, the light is going to come in. Right? You don't, have to, you don't have to make any effort for the light to shine. If you open the shutters the light is going to shine through. That's the effort that we have to make. This idea that that people are doing, raise your vibration and raise your vibration and stuff. What they're trying to do is that they have a hand crank generator. Have you ever seen those? Uh, uh, A flashlight that you you crank with your hand? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. They're putting all their, their their energy and effort into trying to crank this little generator to make this light shine. Ooh, I'm raising my vibration. Mm. No, it's an illusion. It's all an illusion. It's all an illusion. Right? It's coming back to Lux's comment here about people thinking that that raising your vibration and finding peace and happiness and joy is somehow something that they do and they create. But um, it's like it's like um, it's like this quote about knowledge would help right knowledge is cosmic 
It does not evolve or unfold in man. Man unfolds to an awareness of it. He gradually discovers it. That's Walter Russell. And what is true for knowledge is true for the light, is true for higher vibration, the Christ, peace, happiness, joy, love. These do not evolve or unfold in man. Man unfolds to an awareness of it. He gradually discovers it. Love, light, truth, knowledge, peace, happiness, joy. You see? So all of that new age stuff about raising your vibration and all this kind of stuff, it's, it's, it's the reverse. We get there, we have to unfold ourselves. Man unfolds to an awareness of it. And how do we unfold to an awareness of it? We get to the best possible vantage point. And that's the zero point. That's that's okay. That's all right. All good. All God. Where you can see the potential to see the whole universe. There's only one place you can see the whole universe, and that's at the origin of the universe, which is one with everything, because that's the holy eight. In other words, the access to the true metaverse is being okay, all good, all right, all God. That's where genuine peace, happiness, joy, and love, that's where we have access to it. And so when we're just okay, we're close. We're so close. And this relates, you know, we've, we've been working on our video and we've added some slides. And we showed you a little bit of this last week, um, but, you know, we liken, we can think of space, that cosmic uh, cosmos, we can think of it as a, you know, the great body of water, right? And in order to receive anything across this body of water, we need a, we need a vessel, right? This is our divine vessel or cosmic vessel <clears throat> that brings its gifts as its cargo. But that vessel, in order to moor, in order to get into the port, it needs a, uh, a tugboat to bring it in. <clears throat> and so the tugboat, the rational mind and the physical vessel connects <clears throat> to the meta mind of the metaphysical vessel and we have the physical world in need of a true human being what um, <clears throat> the meta mind is able to then 
deliver its gifts. Imagination, inspiration, intuition, insight, peace, love, joy. You could add happiness. Einstein called these gifts sacred, and he called the rational mind a, uh, a, a faithful servant, just like a tugboat. It faithfully brings in this container ship into port. So in, in addition to the rational mind, we have in our mortal vessel, our physical vessel, the personality, emotions, instincts, intellect, vitality, physical body, and the five senses. That's all part of our hume. Whereas what we get from metamind, metamind's gifts, that's part of our manas, the hume and manas, which creates uh, a, a human. So what belongs to the faithful servant and sacred gifts belongs in the different wheelhouses of the different vessels. And, whoops, just uh, glitched out there for a second. So the, the two wheels of the two wheelhouses are the front and, we the front and rear wheels uh, of a, a true human being. We have a triune human being of hume, manas, and being. And as in a bicycle, right, the rational mind, the rear wheel, follows the front wheel, where the front wheel goes, of metamind. But the metamind is, is the direction is controlled by the being. That gives us our direction. And the rational mind, the being, also turns the crank, which gives us our motivation. And that, and the rational mind, is where the rubber meets the road in the world. That's what creates momentum. And what connects and converts motivation into momentum is this connection. That's the chain. And that's uh, like the, the rings, the wedding rings, which means to bind. That's the, the links of a chain which binds motivation to the rational mind and creates momentum in life. This is actually to bind is the original meaning of the Latin word relegare. And it's also the meaning of the word yug, to bind together or to bind as one. And those are the root words of religion and yoga. Now, if we lose this connection to our being, then we're cut off from our manas. Now, religion just becomes a belief and yoga just becomes a function of the physical body. And now we're stuck as a unicyclist and we have to juggle, create our own momentum or motivation and direction. We have to juggle all of this by ourselves in our rational mind. Instead of a faithful servant, we're an unwitting slave. Instead of a tugboat, we're playing bumper boats with each other. And we have competing theories, opinions, beliefs, dogmas, and sub the subjectivity of rational ego mind. And we're unwitting slaves to all of this. Instead of being faithful servants to the universal truths, to self-evident experiential knowledge, and the objectivity of the sacred gifts of metamind. So we ask yourself, which do you think is more important for being in the world? And for especially for being in the world in its situation right now with all of its problems and challenges that we face. So 
a popular character uh, uh, of this faithful servant is known as Theodore. I didn't choose the tug life. The tug life chose me, Theodore says. Theodore comes from the word doros, meaning gift. So to receive our gifts with humility and gratitude and seek to be a worthy vessel conscious to share gifts is life's greatest gift. The second, the first part of the, uh, Theodore comes from Theos, which means God. And that is the Logos, which set in motion the laws of evolution and devolution at the heart of all phenomenon. That is the alm of life, expressing, receiving, and sharing infinite gifts of metamind that we call God. <clears throat> so to seek the alm of life is to be consciously bringing gifts of metamind into the world for one and all beings via the alm of life. Uh, this slide is not finished, so we'll just have to skip over this one. I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are just details. So the living, breathing word of God <clears throat> is writ large and small in, in the world. And no matter where we go, we, if we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear it, no matter where our path takes us. But take note <clears throat> that the big tech companies have decided that their next big thing is called the metaverse. <clears throat> and that they're going to create alternate worlds, alternate realities <clears throat> for us. And we have to shatter the illusion of that because look at this picture, right? As if, as if human, humanity doesn't have enough already on its mind, <laughs> okay? <laughs> they're trying to tell us that putting a VR headset and filling our brains with this thing called the metaverse... <laughs> is somehow going to fix and calm down and fix all these problems that are going on in our in our head or worse they're going to come and install and implant a chip in our brain and that somehow this is going to solve all the confusion and suffering in the world we already know from uh, years of experience how uh, uh, social media how damaging it can be especially to young people So we have to peel away the bullshit and recognize what this metaverse crap is really all about. And it's about these big companies getting inside of our heads and exploiting the wheel of suffering uh, that our egos create in order for them to create a whole new level of three-dimensional hypnosis for us to, to uh, enslave us. And we already know, and, and to create a technological zombie apocalypse. And in, the, in this metaverse that they want to create, they want to create a whole new set of virtual problems for us to juggle, in addition to the real world problems that we're already juggling. 
<clears throat> so this is what we're this is what the metaverse that these companies are wanting to create is this this exploitation of the rational mind. It's just it's all just there for the for for us to become unicycling jugglers in a virtual world that they call the metaverse in addition to the unicycling that, that we're already doing and the juggling that we're already doing in the real world. And it's all just exploitation of the rational mind. <clears throat> Whereas the birthright of every human being is to be a cyclist with rational mind following meta-mind um, and to seek and individual suffering seek the analogous ultimate methodology of a true human being. The conscious exploration, explanation, and application of the actual metaverse via metamind of being. This is the birthright of humanity, of all human beings. Not this virtual reality bullshit metaverse that they're pitching to us but the actual metaverse that we will ride through as a triune human being hume manas and being not this unicycling rational mind juggling all this illusory nonsense and um the rest is not finished yet <laughs> Yeah, but uh, this is uh, we we just made some headway on it, and uh, we thought we we because this metaverse, right, reality, and how we gain access to that universe that like that quote that um, the Walter Russell quote relates directly to uh, what we've been talking about today. Um, in relation to being okay and peace, happiness, and joy being the gifts of metamind, right? This is that we connect to. They do not unfold or evolve in, in, in man. We're just a tugboat. A tugboat can't go on into the open ocean and bring containers. A tugboat can't do that. But likewise, the container ship can't come into port without the assistance of the tugboat, which is the rational mind, so, which is man, in other words. So you see the connection and the relationship. Those are the two wheels of the bicycle. In the same way that the rational mind is a unicycle, the meta mind on its own was also a unicycle. You need to put the two wheels together with the being in the middle. That's to become a triune, a trinity, right? A triune human being so this is um just again another step further that we're getting and another thing that came to us uh with uh regards to this metaverse stuff um we have to we have to take back ownership of that word we have to reveal to people that the metaverse that they these tech companies are wanting to do is a metaverse of hell it's a metaverse of hypnosis and it's going to take us away from the real metaverse because the metaverse that they're creating is a trap for the rational mind of exploitation of, of, of us as unicyclists. 
but every the our birthright is to be cyclists, bicyclists, and to be triune human beings, to be true human beings, and to be able to gain access to the real metaverse and bring those solutions into the world. <clears throat> because that's what the world is in need of right now, is in need of real solutions from true human beings and and the rational mind cannot solve the problems that the that is humanity is facing right now. It's impossible. The rational mind cannot do it. None of our, none of its technology, none of anything, none of it is is serving humanity anymore. And that whole thing about implanting chips and all that stuff—it's all—it's all just more enslavement. It's all just a, a creation, a concoction of the black lodge of ego mind to enslave this humanity ever more. And to create, and it's not—it's not bad enough that this humanity is already attached and identified to this illusory physical reality. Now the black lodge wants to create a whole new thing they call the metaverse, a whole new layer of illusion. And, and slap a, a, a headset on our face for us to go and get lost in as if that's going to solve any problems, right? Exactly as we mapped it out in the presentation, right? With yeah. all the crazy graphics, those slides are crazy busy for on purpose, right? Yeah. They're messy busy on purpose because we want to communicate it's and show yeah. exactly what's yeah the mess that's going on in here <laughs> yeah right oh and you're gonna solve it you're gonna you're gonna solve that by putting a headset on and creating a whole new virtual reality of mess <laughs> and throw that in there no no okay so basically just expanding its borders that's all so we have to do the same Right. So, so again, we're, 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 we're trying, we're trying not to, we're trying to show, not just tell. Exactly. Right. And, um, and it's fair to say, um, you know, this is, this is how we use PowerPoint. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is how we do PowerPoints, <laughs> not, not bullets coming onto the screen that we read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not, not power nap right this that's not uh, that's not how we um we use this particular software tool um so oh we can you know what we can um you know what? let's let's uh i'll show you another quick slide it's it's maybe not so quick but oh maybe okay here so um this is the alm of, or maybe we'll jump. Hang on a second. Let's let's jump back one slide and then, or a couple slides. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> if we have the egos going round and round, so. Um, and whereas an explosion of ego, temptation, identification, and indulgence leads to an implosion in life, observation of life, meaning self-awareness, mindfulness, and hypnosis, or sorry, um, <clears throat> meditation, leads to dissolution of ego, where temptation gives way to, uh, to liberation, and um, 
uh, we, oh, sorry, these are coming in backwards. I got to fix the slide. The slide is backwards. Comprehension, catharsis, and liberation. And we can slowly eliminate our egos. And then we can take away the wedge that's separating us from our manas. So the observation of life consists of the dissolution of the ego um, <clears throat> within the rational mind so that we can reverse the downward spiral through observation and reverse it and turn it into the upward spiral of expansion of consciousness and the synthesis of new knowledge in metamind, which are the upward spirals. This is the alm of life, right? The analogous ultimate methodology. The downward spiral of explosion and implosion to devolution and not being. And the upward spiral of, of expansion and synthesis to evolution and being. And just as is shown in um, the immune system and anti-malware, also as to the smallest and the largest expressions in nature. We have here, so the upward spiral, if you cut off the sides, it, it's a ladder. But this ladder, you have to descend one side so you can and ascend the other to reach the next rung of this ladder. So this is Jacob's ladder. This is the spiral Jacob's ladder. You have to descend before you can ascend. This is also Dante's <clears throat> uh, ladder that descends into hell and into the nine, the nine levels of hell and into heaven. It is also the wheel of Samsara. It is the Bhava Chakra, the wheel of becoming. And it also has important implications in the Tao itself. It's also the... Uh, Theseus, who descends into the labyrinth to defeat the Minotaur, and countless other expressions, uh, over 6,500 uh, uh, spiritual traditions and stories that Joseph Campbell identified as the hero's journey, the descent into the underworld, and the return, the ascent to a, a higher state. It's the hero descending into uh, the dungeon to defeat the dragon that uh, Arneson and Gary Gigax, uh, David Arneson and Gary Gigax uh, implemented. They were the first to introduce the concept of experience points and leveling in games, which is now uh, standard in pretty much all role-playing games, the, the concept of um, experience and, and uh, leveling up your character. It's also... Um, embodied in Carl Jung's quote, there are no, there is no tree um, whose branches extend into heaven, whose roots do not descend into hell. And this is uh, uh, Alexis, well, shoot, I can't remember his name, his last name, who said that, um, I also can't remember the quote, but this is the self-made man, the man who must um, basically go to hell and oh man is both man is both the marble and the sculptor so this is explaining sort of we have to go through suffering in order to become who we are but it's also yeah. an expression, it's also an expression in nature the spiral in nature like here the atom going through 
all of the different levels all the way through ecosystem and then the biosphere. It's also re re reflected in uh, Fibonacci, uh, the Fibonacci sequence uh, that he identified in, in nature and, uh, and uh, uh, developed a mathematical formula for. It's also in the flow forms, water flow forms that Rudolf Steiner uh, <clears throat> identified. It's in Nikola Tesla's uh, Tesla coil. And it's also, of course, in the uh, four-dimensional vortex science of Walter Russell. All of this, it's all the ohm of life. It's all these, the spirals, the spirals of uh, 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 gravitation and radiation, um, but expressed in both the upward down, the upward spiral of evolution and the downward spiral of devolution. This is the ohm of life. This is the meta paradigm uh, behind all paradigms and all phenomena in the universe. This is it. Um, and of course, the, the, the one missing piece of the puzzle is, right, how does metamind relate to the rational mind? And this is how, this is when we get into the, uh, the part. Boat and the part about the tugboat and all that stuff. Um, but this is all relates to another quote that we have in here which is um, right I want to know God's thoughts the rest are just details <clears throat> so this whole presentation is all about that is all about um, um, this whole video is all about working with the arm of life in a practical way um, in order to be to to gain access to the gifts of metamind and bring those gifts into the world that's what every true human being in history has ever done and that's what a true human being is and that's what gives us true peace happiness and joy when we are fulfilling our purpose and our meaning for existence what gives us meaning and purpose in life is that. That's that's our birthright. That's what it means to be a true human being. And so all of this, as we said, we're, as you guys pointed out last week, there's a lot of information that's a very dense <laughs> uh, a presentation, a very dense video. But after all, we are explaining the whole of the human condition and the meaning of life in uh, what's going to amount to the whole thing will probably come in under, under 20 minutes. And this one part will come in under 10 minutes for sure. Um, so, well, there it is. So it's going to be dense. Um, but yeah, it's dense for a purpose, but it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but it's okay. It's all good. Right? And yeah. and it's simple. Right? It's <clears throat> it's simple. We've stripped away <clears throat> we've tried to keep it secular and we've stripped away as much <clears throat> um embellishment as possible and we've tried to keep it 
grounded in <clears throat> uh, people's experience with with as like two analogies really the mm. bicycle analogy and the tugboat analogy and yeah. how those two things relate you can't really you need both you can't do you can't it's the bicycle analogy is not enough yeah i mean the most important aspect is that it's basically shining light upon the complications of the rational mind and i would say very few people are able to stand up against it and make it simple to be okay <clears throat> well yeah and the the uh the issue here is that the rational mind is really overburdened yeah that's what we're what we're really getting at is is this humanity is suffering so much because we've burdened ourselves with we've burdened ourselves <clears throat> with something which belongs in an entirely different wheelhouse. Yeah. Right? So a true human being, a triune human being, has both these vessels operating. And what belongs... So... the physical vessel and the metaphysical vessel. So here a true human being encounters all this stuff of life, right? But the true human being, a triune human being has everything which belongs, goes into the, belongs to the rational minds, going, goes into the basket of the rational mind. And what belongs in the basket goes into the basket of meta mind. And, and a bicycle is designed this way. Yeah. And we can, we can travel when, with forward momentum when the rational mind knows its place. The things that belong to the rational mind and the physical vessel because there's stuff that belongs in our basket. The things that the rational mind is good for that the rational mind has to look after. And the rational mind, as we showed in that other slide, was the rubber meets the road where the momentum for the bicycle is through the rational mind, right? Because that's the tugboat bringing things into the world, into, uh, into the, into port. But if we only work with the rational mind and we only have the physical vessel, and we only have this one wheelhouse. Well, now we're this little, this, this little dinghy tugboat trying to make it on the open ocean. Yeah. So of course, you know, the rational mind is going to react with all these negative emotions because how the hell would you feel being in this little dinghy facing the, 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 the storms of the open ocean? So this, this, this rational ego mind, is this the only thing that we're working with? 
we have the conditioned beliefs, disbeliefs, and reaction by uh, manipular uh, of our many uh, egos, the manipulation of all this malware. Right? We have the egos starting, you know, turning and going through their never-ending uh, Game of Thrones in our in our brain. That's what's turning the wheel in the wheelhouse of our rational mind. Instead of, right? That's the wheel, the one wheel of our unicycle. Yeah. But you can't attach any baskets to a unicycle. You can't do it. So you have no place to put all the crap of life. It's hard enough keeping your balance. Yeah. So this is the human conditioning. This is eyes suffering, the human condition. This is what we are, a juggling unicyclist in the middle of a circus. This is what oh, happens. You, right? This is this is what people need to see. This yeah. is what people need to grasp. This is what suffering is. This is what anxiety and depression and everything is because you have no place. You do not have the appropriate places to put all of this crap that life and this complicated life is throwing at us. So this is you have no choice. This is what everybody's doing. That's what's going through everybody's head. Right? But all the problems of the world. Plus, everybody has a different opinion and a different idea on how to solve it. Right? Mm -hmm. And they're all competing opinions and ideas. And all of that's going through your head. Plus, all of this is being driven by the nonstop cycle of egos. Of all these different greed and laziness and pride and joy and fear and all of that is feeding this this non-stop engine, right? This is that uni this the unicycle of self-interest, which is the cause of all of our suffering. And of course, the pendulum that divides and conquers. I am, I am not, I believe, I don't believe, us and them, they love me, they love me not. This is that, this, this, back and forth back and forth pendulum which we were talking about today yeah right of not being okay it's what divides and conquers gullum and smeagol right it's this single pillar of ego of the what's precious and it's what's precious to sauron it's the tower of sauron which divides and conquers middle earth yeah. and it divides and conquers the world with blind dogma and blind faith. It's the game of thrones. It's the wheel <clears throat> uh, that uh, Daenerys Targaryen talks about in the game of thrones that uh, divides the world of Westeros. Yeah. The that ego was like... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that was precisely what I couldn't handle in in the experience I talked about. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it gave me strength to move on, if you will, because 
I realized that something had to be done. I mean, we <laughs> we can, cannot just give up and lay flat down on the sands. That's not making any progress at all. That is not being okay, basically. Well, because you can't give up. You got to keep going. Yeah, yeah. The game has to be played out. Yeah, the game has to be played out. So you, so, yeah. so we have no choice. We have to keep going. But if we burdened ourselves and we're we're trying to go up a mountain and trying to juggle all this stuff and going up a mountain on a unicycle. <laughs> Of course you're going to be exhausted. Yeah. Of course you're going to run out of energy. Of course you you're going to, right? Yeah, I know it's out of focus. It's one of those. Benjamin says, basically the rational mind throws at you newer and newer unicycles for you to enjoy Let following. Me try this. The rational mind is the unicycle. Benjamin, what's what you keep you keep adding more things to juggle yeah. you keep adding more and bigger and newer things to juggle that's what you're doing the unicycle is the same you're not getting a new you're not getting a new unicycle you're on the same old unicycle now people who get really good at unicycling they get taller and taller and taller and taller unicycles these are the people who ascend into the elite right and the, and these are the 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 people who are rich and famous and and all the rest of it, right? Because, boy, look how well he unicycles, and everybody else who's unicycling at the level that they're at, they're like, boy, if only I could unicycle like him, I would be in the middle of the three ring circles. I would be a star. These are the people we idolize. These are the rich and famous and powerful and so on that everybody looks up to why we look up to them because they're they're on these giant unicycles you know you know those the people in the circus and they're juggling fire and stuff on these really high unicycles and everybody's impressed and they're applauding wow look at the skill with which he's unicycling that's called worldly success because that's the that's the you know Yes, he says, it can be metaphorized that way. It works better. Yes, it does work better because that's the way it is. <laughs> that's the way it is. I didn't come up with these metaphors. You understand, right? Right? These metaphors were given to me. Yeah. <laughs> right? They were shown to me. Okay? I was unfolded unto this. All of this has been unfolding in me. Right? I'm just a tugboat. I've been bringing all this stuff slowly into port. And if you've ever seen them unloading a cargo ship, you know that it takes time. Yeah. And it's one cargo container at a time, one cargo container at a time. This did not come to me all in one go. I've been working on this video for six months. Six months. So patience, right? Little by little, brick by brick. Right? That's how Rome was built. Brick by brick, my friends. Brick by brick. And, and it's okay. 
<laughs> yeah. and believe me that it's I'm not in a state of divine ecstasy, right? When this no, no, I'm just in that place of okay, all good. The zero point, just the, just you know, that's when the stuff bang. Oh, now I get it. And it's in that place of okay, we can we can shift, we can move, we can dance. Um life is a dance and but you have to have your balance right like riding a bicycle you you can have forward momentum but you have to be that alignment the front wheel and the rear wheel have to be aligned right you can't ride a bicycle with one wheel perpendicular to the other they have to be in alignment the rational mind in alignment with meta mind and the being deciding where the bicycle goes. Not the rational mind, the being. And, but this, when we orient ourselves in this way, when we know ourselves, when we've been working on making that connection, right? Putting the chain on the chain ring. Because, you know, if the chain falls off the bike, the being can... You can have as much motivation as you want, but you're not going to go anywhere. It's right because you're going to be you're going to end up unicycling again. So, uh, this uh, this the information that we're uh, are putting into this thing, and this thing is got to get out there in the world and do what it needs to do but more importantly once we do get it out finished and online and out there into the world we will be able to um switch gears and start um expanding on fleshing it out right and not embellishing but just uh at the end of the day, as dense as this may be, we have to unpack all of this for people. Yeah. So there's, it's so dense. It's so concentrated. Now we have to, in a book form, add the water, right? That, that dissolves this, yeah. <laughs> this, this bouillon cube into a stock, right? <laughs> yeah. Actually cook with, uh, and actually, uh, uh, consume. But this is, this, <clears throat> this is the spearhead if you will, this is the, this, it's, um, and it had to be this way because <clears throat> this is the seed from which a tree will grow, right? Because you can't, I can't start off by writing the book. Could you imagine what it would be like if I had, written the book and then tried to make this video what do i leave on the cutting room floor how do i pare it down it's it, it, as hard as as difficult as this has been as challenging as this has been um there is so much more that we have to say there's so much more that we have to share and show but at least we have the overview and we have the central thesis, 
if you will, the the the, the seed that we can plant mm. in people's consciousness, and we can tell them that you know we're we're working on the book that's going to be explaining all of this in much greater detail. And and um, and that if we organize ourselves properly, we'll be able to start taking pre-orders for that book and possibly uh, do this on a crowdfunding campaign basis where, uh, but those are the details that we're not worried about yet. We're not thinking about too much. Um, we're, all of our focus and energy is going into the completion of this actual artifact, this, this, yeah. this video. Um, and as much as it's been taking, as long as it's been taking, we are um, quite pleased with uh, the evolution and how it's been unfolding. Yeah. Um, and uh, we feel at least, we don't know how you guys feel about it uh, at the moment, uh, seeing what you've seen, but uh, so far we feel pretty pretty good about it all yeah i think it's quite interesting in fact uh, i was th <laughs> thinking about that the anime that i talked about in i don't remember it was two streams ago i think yeah i watched uh, i watched the first episode yeah uh, that was crowd uh, crowdfunded as well oh, yeah. and uh, it turned out to be a good anime to watch, at least for me, because it had many lessons that I had to face, basically. Oh, yes. So we watched the first episode, but we haven't watched any anything. Yeah, yet. yeah, it's, it doesn't um, matter, right? So where we are at, where, where do we bring uh, this all back to? Um, One of the reasons why we we showed the um, the slides that we did, especially the slide with the uh, the direction, the motivation, and the momentum, and the connection. When we're just okay, and we're in that place where we're nearest to ourselves, our innermost being, when we're just okay, we're in that place of maximum observation. Ma with maximum potential the ability th to see everything the maximum potential to see everything from that place of just okay and in that place if we remember ourselves i remember our being i remember our divine mother then we have the potential to make that connection and if we have the connection, then we can receive the direction and the motivation. And then our job is just to allow, allow that motivation to move us, allow ourselves to be moved. And then we have forward momentum. But you see, that's... You see how not 
how that isn't easy, but it's a hell of a lot easier than juggling direction, motivation, and momentum all by yourself. Yeah. Where do you go? What do you do? How do you motivate yourself to do it? Well, there's only one way you can know it. What do you want? You got to get what you want. You got to set your goal and blah, 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 and do this and do that and chase your goal and, and all that, all that self-help, new age success talk. And yeah, you can become a millionaire. You can become a very successful unicycling juggler. No question. But you will not be bringing the gifts of MetaMind into port, you are going to be a, a tugboat out on the open ocean in the storms. And where everybody else is concerned, you're going to be playing bumper boats with everybody else because everybody else is going to have their own theories and opinions and ideas about everything. And you're just going to be another bumper boat in the middle of them all bumping up and back and forth against them. Because that's what the world is. That's what academia is. That's what everything is. That's what Facebook and Twitter and everybody else, everybody's just bumper boats bumping into, into one another. One of the reasons why we're working on this, the way we're working on it and everything that we're doing is because not only the subject matter we're talking about is one thing, but the presentation of it and the delivery of it has to be what it's talking about has to show what it's talking about. We have to walk our talk. We have to demonstrate to people that this is not some half-baked theory. Yeah. This is self-evident experiential knowledge. What would you rather take up that mountain? A bicycle or a unicycle? How do cargo ships come into port? How does that actually work in real life? Ocean-going cargo vessels and small, super agile, powerful uh, tugboats. This, this is a fact. You cannot do this any other way. In reality... Reality is organized this way. We even will get to the point of, if we have enough time, we will say, look, you are downloading this, you are watching this video, you are streaming this video right now as we speak through some device which has an app or a website that is actively decoding a stream from the internet, a data stream. That internet exists, but without a connection to it and without an application on a device which can decode that screen and present it, you can't watch this video. The internet is the metaverse. The metamind is the video stream. Let's call it YouTube. And the rational mind is the device 
and the uh, and the software that decodes decodes it can't exist any other way. It has to be organized this way, and so too is a human being organized this way. It has to be. There is no other way for the universe to manifest. There is no and and there is no other way to explain what Nietzsche called the Ubermind, Emerson called the uh, the Overmind, Buddha called the Buddha Mind, Einstein called the Intuitive Mind, and on and on and on and on. There's no other way to explain Beethoven and Mozart. And there's no other way to explain miracles and all these other incredible things. Uh, child savants, child geniuses, and on and on and on and on and on it goes. There's no other way, there's no other rational explanation for it there's all kinds of bullshit theories yeah. there's no truth to it to any of it and this is what this is why you see the truth needs to be delivered to humanity in a way that speaks in accordance with the eccentricities of the time and place and era of that humanity. This is why lots of Gnostics have a problem with Atlas. Because I don't even mention Samael Anwayor in this video. That's sacrilege to many Gnostics. And we say, no, the sacrilege is you did not take to heart the avatar of Aquarius's most important teaching. Yeah. Do not follow me. I am just a signpost. Find your own path to self-realization. Well, the self-realization of this humanity is not going to come from studying Samael's books or the or the lectures on glorian.org this humanity is not going to pick up the Bhagavad Gita it is not going to do it is not going to reinvent and erase 2,000 years of Christianity for a Gnostic interpretation of the Gospels it is not going to do that it is not and to believe it or want it or think it is a naivety Those tools and resources, Master Samael came to teach the leaders of the army of world salvation. It is up to us to lead the others and bring them into the fold. But we need a different net. Or if it's not even a net, we need a fly fishing rod. What I'm doing here on these live streams is a fly fishing rod. <clears throat> but this video is a net. And it's a net for catching tuna. Lots and lots of, well, or herring, or you pick your fish. It's a, <laughs> it's a net to catch a whole lot of fish. And it's baited with what those fish want. And what they can understand and what they can relate to. And 
And there it is. And it's all okay. It's all good. It's all good. But this is how new and novel expressions of timeless universal truths come into the world. Because we're not saying anything new. We're not. And we're not saying anything different than what Master Samael said. Or what Jesus said. Or Buddha said. Or Zoroaster. Or any of them. Any messengers. Any avatars. Any prophets. We're just saying it in a contemporary way and using the most meaningful and universal symbols that are experientially based. Every man, woman, and child on this planet, no matter how rich or how poor, They have ridden a bicycle or their culture, their country is filled with bicycles. The poorer the country, the more bicycles there are and the more important those bicycles are. It's self-evident. No one can argue this. No one can say, no, 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 no uh, uh, person who's seen in Thailand what they carry on the back of mopeds and bicycles, no one can say, no, no, I think a unicycle would be superior to that. No one, unless they're mentally ill and are in a mental institution, can say that. In the same way that every single country on this planet ships things or receives things because we have this globalized economy even countries in Africa they know that the stud those guys who are mining for pennies a day they know that what they're mining is going on big cargo ships and is going to be going off to Asia to make uh, uh, computer chips or is going off to China to make batteries for iPhones they know that. Everybody knows what a ship is and everybody knows what a boat is and what a tugboat is. That's why we use Theodore tugboat. Because there are millions and millions and millions of children all over the world who have watched that show. Because it's been translated into every single uh, um, uh, language on the planet. the intensity with which we're driven to do this work. Is the realization that yes, our innermost being is turning the crank but 
the being of our being, Alux, uh, is it's it's like this this incredible battery pack that's now that's the bike is now electric, and there's an electric assist <laughs> to that <laughs> pedaling. And if you know if you know about these electric bikes, you know they go 30, 40 kilometers an hour. They yeah they get up there um this is the other thing about being okay just okay that when you the more time you spend just okay the more yes there's peace happiness joy yes okay but there's something else that's yeah. truly ineffable and it's it's this intensity the ferocity of the light this is why the lion is the symbol of of the Christ. Yeah, or the Solvelo rune. We have to be okay before we become electric. But you have to be... Yeah, yes. That's right. Yes. Per thank you, Benjamin. Perfectly timed. Yeah. Benjamin is so useful and valuable to have on these live streams because he comes in <laughs> with the right biblical reference at exactly the right time it's uh you must have spent you must have spent a lifetime studying the scriptures my friend um but that's exactly right it's the burning bush but that that isn't consumed by the flames that's that intensity that that comes through when you're in that zero point that's the portal and it's a pinhole but the more time you, but it's like like you know like a spray nozzle on the end of a hose the narrower you make the nozzle the more intensely the water comes out the the the, the more intense the spray is yeah it's it's so Okay, three and a half hours. Let's not go to four hours today. Or oh, five. <laughs> oh, five. <laughs> um, let's um, let let's see if if anybody has any questions or or any uh, more comments. There might have been. Uh, uh, Benjamin said, "Is it the same as the universal mind?" In the book, the master key system. Uh, meta mind is, meta mind is would be the universal mind. Yes, uh, there are many names for it: Buddha mind, Uber mind, Over mind. Lux asks an unrelated question. That's perfectly all right. Someone close to us had a dream that they were getting married. They were in a white wedding dress, but this person's mother in the dream told her to change into a black dress 
what is the significance of this dream? Hmm. Um, it could be as simple is okay. So is the person Christian? Did they have a Christian or a Catholic upbringing? Because it could be as simple as uh, having some guilt around the fact that uh, they've they've engaged in premarital sex, so it can't be a white wedding because she's not a virgin. But if they are a spiritual person on the spiritual path, and they know about these studies, and they're still fornicating, then it could be that it's their divine mother telling them that you don't deserve a white wedding dress because you're not practicing white tantra. You're practicing black tantra, black tantra, so put on a black wedding dress. But clearly, there is something uh, related here, either their own guilt or some, some lingering guilt from their Christian or Catholic upbringing, or uh, so a kind of a... Um, or they have knowledge of the arcana mazf or you know sacred spirituality or whatever they believe that they're doing tantra or whatever they're doing but their divine mother has now come to them and said you're getting married now <clears throat> you're officially getting married by the laws of the land by the laws of the world in truth uh, the moment we sleep with someone, the moment we have sex with someone, we're married to them. They're our spouse in the eyes of the universe. That's in the eyes of the great law of karma. But because most people don't register marriage that way, they register marriage as making the lifelong commitment and putting the rings on the finger and all the rest of it, all the pomp and circumstance and everything else. So that's why her divine mother would have taken this opportunity to say, no, 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 no. You don't put that white dress on. That's that's for virgins. But a true virgin is not someone who's never had sex. A virgin is someone who is chaste. A virgin is someone who practices immaculate sexuality and has the potential for immaculate conception, which means clean without blemish. So <clears throat> um, Lux... Do you know, are, are you familiar with the, uh, the video? Uh, the Secret Gate to Eden? Let's uh, hang on a second. Okay. We're going to share our screen again here. If we can, here it is. <clears throat> okay. Now, we can't... Oh, I don't think Glorianne would uh, hit us with a copyright strike. But anyway, <laughs> we just want to be... But you know what? YouTube might do it anyway. Yeah. Okay, so Lux is... Yes, I'm familiar. Okay, so Lux, here is the link. Um, so there's the video. It's on our channel. Uh, we have a playlist on our YouTube channel called Gnosis. And uh, there's a, there's a high-definition version of the video available um on that uh playlist we've included the link and here's the link is on screen 
Um, again, this is your judgment call. It's based on this individual that uh, you know. And if you feel that they are ready, ready to receive this information, because not everybody re is ready to hear this. Not everybody is ready to, uh, to learn about the great arcanum. Um, so you know this individual. We don't. All we can do is share with you. You asked us to interpret the dream. We've shared with you what, what we feel the dream could mean on this surface pass. Um, if this is a spiritual individual and, and believes they know about Tantra and believes that they're practicing Tantra and whatever, uh, then you got to show them this because their divine mother is telling them, no, you don't know Tantra. What you know is black Tantra. And what mm -hmm. you're practicing is black Tantra and you don't deserve a white wedding dress because you are practicing black Tantra. So, um, but again, you know them, we don't. So this is your call. Okay. Uh, Benjamin says, Buddha reminds us that it is okay to be just and at, just at peace. Remember that he tried both to become ascetic and punished himself and live the luxurious life, but he found enlightenment in the middle path, the middle way. In the Christian tradition, this is similar to the concept of the Sabbath rest. This is true, and being okay can certainly be seen as the middle way. Not hot, not cold, not happy, not sad, not... or the third the um the third way in the Tao or beyond the Tao uh, all of this is all connected and it's all okay it's all good the reason why we don't we mention you know identification and attachment we mentioned some things in the Buddhism whatever we like to you may have noticed that we try um, to keep references to other traditions sort of at a minimum. And that's partly for our benefit, but it's also because we're here to reach out to people across all lines, across all boundaries, including people who are atheists. And also Christians and Muslims and Hindus and, right? So, one of the things that we're doing through these live streams is developing our own language. We talked about language earlier, uh, Azazil. Yeah. And... And you see in the presentation that we're doing, the symbols, the words, like this whole, the fact that the word metamind came to us. And that, you know, manas means divine mind, divine. But we specifically needed to avoid the use of that word because it's the first part of the presentation. What is a human being? Hume and Manas. 
we can't start off saying human, you know, manas means divine mind because we'll lose 50% yeah. of our viewers on the first part. It's only by part three that, you know, we start using the word sacred and everything else. And finally, we talked about Theodore. What Theodore actually means, Theos, Theodore means gift, gift from God or God's gift. God's gift. That's what it means, literally. And it's just perfect. It's, it's perfect yeah. that they named a tugboat Theodore. And you see why it's perfect. We show you why it's perfect. This is not, that's not an accident. That's MetaMind planned that. And so, so yes, you're right. The middle way. Uh, Jason said, due to attachments, whether realized or not. That's right, because most people don't realize that they have attachments and identifications. They don't even know what that is. Um, So we, we are here to, again, we work with self-evident experiential knowledge. Cut right through all the bluster, all the BS, all the baggage, and present the truth in a new way, in a simple way, that children can understand, that anyone can understand, that uneducated people can understand. Everybody knows what a bicycle is. Everybody knows what a tugboat is, period. Nobody, there's nobody who doesn't understand that. And then when you show them the relationship, there's nobody who say, that doesn't make any sense. No, it does make sense because it is, it is how it is. It is what it is. And, and that's how it's going to be with us moving forward as well. It's not that we are turning our back or that we are discounting or avoiding or, 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 you know, we, you know, poo-pooing or, or, you know, being disrespectful to all of the great teachers and masters and teachings and scriptures and all the great work of all those that have come before us. It's not about that. On the contrary. It is precisely because we recognize that the Egyptian mystery schools differ from the Hindu mystery schools, differ from the Buddhist mystery schools and the Christian mystery schools and on and on and on. Everybody's working with slightly different symbols and allegories. They're related and they're all connected. And that's what Glorian.org and that's what Master Samael incredibly did. He, he uh, connected them all on, on the foundation of, of Gnosis. And he showed how they're all the way, as he, and he expressed it beautifully, 
They're all beautiful, divine. Uh, they're all precious pearls on the necklace of divinity. Yeah. And he did that. Glorienne had translated his stuff into English and embellished it and expanded upon it. And they've done that. And that's why that resource is there when we're doing our work and people get to a certain level of understanding, the level of understanding that we can bring them to, which is the alm of life and the fundamental work that they need to do to connect to MetaMind and, and, and start working towards becoming a triune human being, a true human being. Yeah. And help them start delivering their gifts, bringing their gifts into the world, which the world so desperately needs. And then we have our own gifts that we have to bring in the world into the Atlas Project and get people to help to, to come and help work us bring those gifts into the world, right? Mm -hmm. Practical rubber meets the roaster. Anybody gets beyond that and says, Well, where did you learn all this? Or how can I get your where, where does all this come mm -hmm. from? Or what is you know, what else, you know, what other things and blah blah blah, this and that, the other thing. I said, Oh, you know, you know what? There's a website, glorian.org. Just go start go here. Here's this link. Start reading the um the the, in, the uh, introductory uh, lectures. Yeah, I found that green that looks it. was explaining quite interesting because I mean it relates to a certain extent to our own experience as well. So, which book? Uh, I, I mean, it relates to an experience that we had with uh, my first girlfriend uh, as well, because that was cool. also related to uh, dreams and such. So my question would basically, basically be if they have met in the physical plane yet, or if they are just chatting with each other online who are uh who is uh, i mean uh, the um, the couples that looks was uh, talking about if they have met or if they have just oh because oh, he online. said someone close to us had a dream that they were yeah. getting married okay um i interpreted that as they are getting married and they had a dream about the fact that they were getting mm. married yeah. Oh, so you're saying that they might not have even met them each other in the physical plane? No, because my first my first girlfriend I met in the astral plane before I met her physically. Okay. Regardless, I don't think that makes any difference to our interpretation of it. No. But um but, but maybe, in my experience, it it basically had to be played out. But it could be that um, in this case, because we're talking about wedding dresses in white or black, it mm. could be that the uh, the person who um, had a dream that they were getting married depends on who they were getting married to, 
if it's a nondescript individual, maybe that they, maybe they're about to run into their twin soul, or the, the at very least a soulmate, and yeah. um, and uh, this dream is being prophetic and telling them you you have an opportunity here to practice white tantra. So yeah, yeah. So so don't don't uh, don't enter into this marriage with a black wedding dress because again, if you have sex with someone, you're married. In the eyes of the universe, you're married. So this could be just her divine mother telling her someone is about to come into your life and they're going to be your spouse. But right now, your mind is still very filled with lust. And so you don't deserve that that wedding dress. Maybe they masturbate. Maybe they they perform. Maybe they watch pornography. Who knows? Maybe they they perform in other ways that are profane. <clears throat> and so they don't deserve a white wedding dress for when that spouse enters into their life. But again, it all depends. Lux, it all depends on, on uh, your knowledge of that individual. We don't know them. We're just giving you what the possibilities are. But the, the symbol is very clear. The, sim the, the symbolism there is very clear. What we were... Our, misinterpretation of it is um we read it incorrectly we thought we read someone close to us had a dream about the fact that they were getting married soon so and that that the dream was just about her wedding dress but in any case hopefully that cleared that up but again regardless the the, the symbols are the same yeah. does anybody have any more questions or comments there's only three of us left, so. Well, no. So listen, thank you all for uh, for uh, coming out as usual, as always, and um, have a good week. Hope everything's all good and all right. Hope you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, take care. Inverential peace. Well, uh, hopefully see you next, uh, next Sunday. Yeah. Thank you.